Hey everybody, this is episode 28 of the Running Rogue Podcast. This is Chris joining. As always, I've got Steve with me. Hey Steve. Hello podcast world. This is going to be a special midweek edition of the Running Rogue Podcast. We've been prepping you for this for the last six months and we couldn't be more excited about this episode. We're going to be talking about USA Track and Field Championships, which are coming at you this weekend, Thursday through Sunday. We're going to be previewing all the distance events, plus giving you some other events to watch and some other stories to watch across the other uh, sprint and field events. And of course, we've got a big prediction contest coming between Steve and I for bragging rights and or shaming rights, depending on how you look at it. (laughs) So here we go, Steve. I think this is probably one of the reasons why we started the podcast was to be able to do something like this at some point. It, It is here and I couldn't have had more fun prepping for it. And I'm really excited about the next who knows how long we're going to be talking about track and field. Well, it's an epic display of track geekdom going to happen here. So those of you who decide to tune us out, you know, we're coming at you guys tomorrow. We're, 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 you'll get this on Thursday. We're gonna, it's the first time we've ever done a, a release of a podcast out off of our normal um, Monday cycle. So uh, hopefully you guys like it. Those of you who don't, just know right now, if you're not into this, Turn them us, turn us off, move on to the next one. Or give us a second. I will say give us a chance because one thing we're going to try to do is demystify it a little bit. There's some geekdom, as you said, associated with some of these events. And if you don't know what's going on or who to watch or some of the storylines, then it's boring. And one thing we've been trying to do as we've educated you at the beginning of every episode is to give you a little bit of context, give you some stories, give you some background so that you know what to watch for and, and can hopefully enjoy it a little bit more. So we're also going to give you the basics and help you for that new person who hasn't been exposed to this as much as we have, kind of help you to know what to watch and what to look for. So give us a chance, I will say, if you're skeptical. (laughs) And uh, the way this will be structured, though, we're going to kind of give you some logistics up front, help you figure out what this rough schedule looks like, talk about the TV schedule if you want to follow along this weekend watching. And then we're going to go into some context setting points about this type of a championship and some things to look for across all the events. Then we're going to go event by event. We've, we've planned this, so we're going to go in order of final. So we're going to actually start with the distance of, with the 10K and because the final is on Thursday night. So if you need to watch this kind of in chunks to work through it or listen to this in chunks to work through it, you can do that and then hopefully play along as, as the weekend plays out. So we're going to be going in order of the schedule by final, essentially, as we walk through each of the distance events. And then at the end, we're going to come back around to some other things to watch in the sprint and field events. That's our format. We're going to dive right in, starting with logistics. As I mentioned, the schedule's important. It starts tomorrow, the meet Thursday, or today, I guess, is if you might be posting it, June 22nd. And all the... Preliminary rounds for a lot of the events start, and then, of course, you have the 10K final on Thursday night. Now, some things to know. I'll post a link to the schedule from the USATF site so you can kind of check this out on your own as well. Some things to know is that, one, it starts Thursday. We've got the 10K final on Thursday, as well as the first rounds for the 800 meter, the steeple, and the 1500. We'll talk TV schedule in a second for how you can kind of tune in on some of this stuff. On Friday, you've got 800-meter semis as well as 5K final. Saturday has steeple final for the women. 
1500 meter final for the men's and women. And then Sunday has the 800 meter final for men's and women. And then the, the steeple final for the men's. So that's the quick rundown. Again, I'll post the schedule. You've got corresponding kind of TV schedule slots. Now, one thing that's frustrating that we're going to rant about is that we're not, you're not actually going to be able to see on TV the 10K final. The meet's taking place in Sacramento. The temperatures are a little bit warm. As a result, they've pushed back a lot of the evening events. And so the, the men's 10K is, or the men's and women's 10K are going off after 11.30 p.m. our time Thursday night. So unfortunately, that bumped us out of the TV window. And as a result, your Thursday events, you have to watch on NBC Sports Gold, which is behind a paywall. It's going to cost you 70 bucks to do that. We'll rant about that in a second, but you can also watch on NBC Sports on Friday between 9.30 and 11.30. All the key finals are in that window if you want to set your DVR. And then on NBC, the main channel, on Saturday and Sunday between 3 and 5 p.m. our time, you can set your DVR or watch those live to pick up the other finals that we're going to talk about. Before we go much further, though, Steve, we got to rant about the TV thing. It's just simply ridiculous that you can't find this event, one, streaming anywhere free, but that you have to watch a final behind a $70 paywall is just absurd. I blame USATF. I think NBC, you know, is doing what they need to do to make the business model work. And, you know, I can complain about some of their programming and their announcing and so forth, but they're showing this on TV you know, at all. And they show a lot of track and field events on TV. So I'm not going to throw stones at NBC, but I'm going to throw stones at USATF for not providing an alternative. They've got USATF TV.TV. They could be showing this live stream in there for free. Why have they given it all to NBC? I think they've negotiated a bad contract there. And that's frustrating to me as a fan. Well, you should be frustrated. <clears throat> Ultimately, USATF's mandate is to provide the best forum for the sport of track and field in the United States, right? That's yep. its basic mandate. And here we have a final at a U.S. championship to determine the team for a world championship. So this is a huge event. Um, and they have failed in their mandate to provide the fans and USATF members. I believe you're a USATF member. Yep. I'm a USATF member. It's beyond just the fact of being a fan, we're actually, the two of us are actually members of that association for, I mean, I had a lot of good reasons before, but Chris, you don't have a whole lot. You haven't run one in a while, <laughs> right, but it's right. like, we're still, we're still supporting this organization. And as members of the organization and as fans of the sport, we've got no opportunity to watch this unless we want to throw down a $70 price tag, which is just absolutely ridiculous. You know, I, I do understand that USATF has a lot of things that they're trying to get accomplished. But their first and most important thing that they're supposed to do is to get this in a place where people who are fans can watch it on television or on the web. Because right. now we've moved so far beyond the need for it just to be on TV. So negotiating different contra contracts, having your, they have their own channel, their own, their own online channel. There are also many other channels that they could work with. Some of that's NBC's sort of strong-arming and understanding how sort of waiting to see how this new revolution of the web is going to play out, and NBC is definitely going to play hardball for as long as they can. Right. But, but USATF should have, have the ability to contract. If you bump us beyond the window where you're not going to show us, 
then we should have the alternative to at least show it on our, on, on our platform at no extra cost. Or if it is a cost, the cost gets swallowed by USETF. I, I just, it's just unconscionable that we're not going to be able to watch the 10,000 meters live because I'm not going to spend $70 to watch one race. I'm not either. Partially because in protest. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if you spend the 70 bucks, it's only going to promote NBC keeping that sort of format. So why would I spend the 70 bucks and, and sort of give them success with, with their format? I don't want to watch World Rugby. I'm not against those people who do watch World Rugby or whatever other things are on that particular platform. It's like, I'm a track fan. It's crazy. It is crazy. So, But the other thing about it is not just that we can't watch the 10K final live on the web, but also I'm, I'm a fan. I spend a lot of time researching these things. I watch track and field as much as I can on television. It took me 15 to 20 minutes just to figure out where I could watch it, when I could watch it, and how I could watch it. And even after doing that, I still wasn't quite sure exactly where it was going to be. And so to me, USATF is also not doing us a service in just educating the fans, the public, about where you can find this stuff. It's crazy to me. You go to the USATF website and there's no mention of to the television schedule. You have to go search on the NBC schedule and so forth. So it's just, that to me is also frustrating. You see it, USATF has to do a better job itself of promoting the sport. And by the way, Max Siegel, like the guy's a marketer. What's your problem, <laughs> man? The CEO of US Track and Field is a marketer. That's his strength. And yet at every single turn, we get stuck with bureaucracy and it's frustrating. So- I also think that if this were the 100-meter dash, it would be different than if it was the 10,000-meter final. Absolutely. So there's, is... a, there's a discrimination there to me that's really unconscionable as well. It's just very frustrating to be offended. I personally think that the men's and women's, the, the women's 10K could be the most exci- one of the most exciting races of the whole, of the whole thing. I mean, Absolutely. it's hard to say because there's so many great races playing out, but it's just, it just makes me... Well, and by the way, Galen Rupp is going for his ninth straight 10,000 meter championship which is crazy by the way that's never been done by anybody in a running event period it's so been, why is usatf been, not co- why they are yeah, not laying why out are the, you promoting that exactly the guy coordinate the guy my goodness <laughs> like we can all have our opinions about rup but why is that not a more prominent story one person has done that in the history of of u.s track and field and it was in like the two mile race walk back <laughs> in the 20s i mean yep. are you kidding me so it's not like the storylines aren't there, but they're just not actually taking advantage of them to tell the story and to tell us where we can follow the story. I mean, they may not, they may know that Galen's not going to get it, but anyway, we'll move Uh-oh. on. We'll move on from there. <laughs> so anyway, so you can, so you can find, well, I'll post the link to the schedule. You can watch it on NBCSN Friday night and then Saturday and Sunday, three to five, check your DVRs and get that scheduled or plan to watch it live. Now, if you do want to pay the paywall, by the way, it's NBC Sports Gold. If you want to pay the 70 bucks to do it, go for it. But I'm, I will not. I'll be following it on Twitter. That's how I will follow along with the text updates from, from my Twitter feed. Now, the final sort of logistical point we have to make is that, as Steve mentioned, this meet is not only to determine the national champions, for our sport, but also to determine who goes to Worlds in London in August. And there's essentially two criteria to make it to London Worlds. That's you have to finish in the top three, generally, or you have to be the top three with a 
IAAF World Qualifying Standard. Most of our events, now this hasn't always been true, most of our events shouldn't have a problem with all three of the top three having that standard. But occasionally, you have somebody sneak in. And in past years, when we haven't had as much strength in the distance events, you've had maybe the fourth or fifth person at this meet actually go. an absolutely crazy shit show. Actually go to Worlds (laughs) because they're the one, the next person with the standard. Now, the other nuance to that is that if you don't have the standard and you finish top three, then you have until July 21st to chase that standard. So that's the little nuance that you got to think about. It's not just the top three that go to Worlds, but they also have to have the IAAF standard. I think for the most part, those that will be getting top three will have the standard, but in some cases they will have to chase the standard or get it at this meet itself, which other than the steeple probably isn't happening because it's more tactical in championship races. So that's another bit of context on sort of logistics setting. The other thing I wanted to talk about before we dive into the event previews is just some kind of things to think about, some dynamics to think about that affect these races. One of those I just mentioned, which is this idea of having to achieve standards versus chasing standards. Last year, when you watched the U.S. Championship in Eugene, that was to decide the Olympic team. Typically, when an Olympic team is at stake, you don't have the ability to go chase the standard after that because there's so many logistics that go into sort of fitting the team, scheduling the team, getting the team to wherever the Olympics are happening, that oftentimes, unless you get the standard at the actual Olympic trials qualifying meet, you're not going. Now, with world meets, it's usually different. Oftentimes, people, the meets are a little bit earlier those years, but also they have the ability to go chase the standard. So in this case, that affects the race strategy for this type of a meet where you don't have to have somebody going to reach for the standard at this meet. They can let the race play out as it might and then have the ability to go chase the standard until July 21st, almost a month afterwards. So that's a dynamic to consider. And, you know, that plays out, especially, Chris, in the tactical races like the 1500. Especially the men's 1500, which has been notoriously a tactical race. And we'll talk a little bit more about that when we go into it. But I don't think that 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 is an important thing to bring to people's attention. But it's probably not going to come into play too much with most of the events we're talking about. But that is the rise of American distance running especially has has done that. Five years ago, that would not be the case. There would be a, a person who... Um, would get fifth at this meet, but had run faster the year before, and they would almost be a guarantee. People would even not even necessarily go chase times because they thought that they wouldn't be able to get there. Well, but. I remember when Ritz, at one, Ritz and I, Dathan Ritz and I, actually made an Olympic team, finishing dead last in the 10K because mm-hmm. he had the standard and nobody else did. So anyway, that's a dynamic to consider. The other thing is these are championship races versus time trials, and championship races typically also have rounds associated with them the format of this meet is slightly different than an olympic trials meet so you don't have as many rounds for a 1500 but you have three rounds for the eight just like you do there so there's rounds and then there's also championship tactics you're not you don't have pacers you don't have people leading out to try to get certain times so it changes the dynamic significantly especially as it relates to 1500 the 5k some of the events where... Especially the pe- men's race. Pe- and the men's race, because the, the, be- the men all think they have the best kick. <laughs> so you're going to see some races, potentially, that go out slow, because everybody's kind of jockeying for position and looking at each other, trying to see who will take 
the pace and go with it. So that's something to consider. We've got championship racing happening. And the other thing to mention here is is that there's also this kind of, and this is the beauty of the U.S. champs in general. You've got this college athlete, in some case high school athlete, college and high school athlete dynamic versus the pros. You get to see that play out at the U.S. champs. And that's really interesting for a lot of reasons because you have old guard versus new guard, but you also have different seasons for those athletes. The high school athlete and the NCAA athlete have been trying to peak for this time period exactly. NCAA championships just happened and high school athletes are often trying to compete for state races, state meet races at this time of the year versus pro athletes that are really trying to peak later in the summer. So you have this interesting dynamic where you have these really highly peaked high school and college athletes competing against some pro athletes that maybe are just beginning their build or hoping to kind of qualify this meet rather easily so that they can then peak in August for the world champs. And sometimes that creates some surprises and some interesting things, especially the shorter the event. Anything there to add, Steve? Well, I think it's not just the shorter event either. I think that also, especially for the distances, you know, this American distance running has gotten so prominent in the pro side that if there's not as many surprises where the certainly not high school kids, but very rarely even college kids are able to make that big jump unless it's the shorter distance. But um, peaking is an important thing for all athletes, whether they're running the 100 or they're running the 10K, it doesn't matter. And those athletes that had to start racing early and, and have some, try to get some good performances so they're ready to go the first week of March, which is, you know, some pros get ready for indoors, but they usually choose an indoor cycle or an outdoor cycle, how they play it out. And they're not racing anywhere near the number of times that the college athletes are. So the college athletes are seasoned. Sometimes they're ready to go in at the end of May, much better than, as you said, much better than the, uh, the pros are. Sometimes they're worn out, tired. Right. And so um, it creates an interesting um, dichotomy. We're going to talk about the women's 10,000 meters, right? And a couple of years ago at the, tri- at the uh, trials for the 2012 Olympics, you know. We're, more than a couple of years ago, but yes. <laughs> it's more than that, right? But, you know, Natasha Rogers was able to slide in there and win a national, win a, win a championship, and, and yet she didn't get to go for all the other reasons that we just discussed, but she had her peak set just right and, and, and was able to train through it, but it's a very rare scenario where those kinds of things happen. So I think, um, again, we're just trying to bring to you all more nuance to what's happening on this meet and sort of when you hear some of the things that we make from a prediction standpoint especially as we move down to the eight and below, you'll be able to um, understand sort of where we're coming from. So I also love the picture, especially in person, but you can also get it on TV of athletes in college singlets it is. versus pro athletes in their, you know, Nike or Adidas, you know, more professional, typically less, you know, there's no big ducks, you know, on, on, uh, on a pro athlete. And so it's kind of cool just to see that dynamic too, sort of the, the different colors and the dress and all of that. But, but anyway, that's enough context setting. Again, meet starts today, June 22nd or tomorrow. If you know, from, from when we're uh, actually recording this, set your DVRs, be ready. We're going to now going to dive into it. Talk event by event. As I said, we'll do this in order of the finals. So we'll start with the 10K, which final is Thursday night. So that if you need to listen to this in chunks, you can kind of do that day by day. 
Before we dive into the event details, I did mention we're going to be doing a prediction contest. So we're going to be talking through these events. We'll do men's first, then women's. We'll give you a little bit of context setting for each event. What are the standards? How many athletes are competing? Who has, how many have the IAAF standard and so forth? Do a little bit of context setting. We're going to give our predictions and reasons why, and then we'll talk about the storylines together in the context of our predictions for each event. Now, we'll publish our predictions. I think this is just for, you know, running rogue king of track geekdom <laughs> is sort of what we're competing for here. But we'll be giving two points between Steve and I to someone who guesses in the top three the correct name and place. Those two match. And then one point if you get the name right, but they're in the wrong place on the podium in your predictions. And we'll be tabulating our points, see who the, the master of running rogue track geekdom is. So hopefully you can track that and I'll be trying to keep track of it through the weekend. Should we talk so a little bit about up. strategy or should we just wait as we go uh, through each wait. of the... We'll give okay. some of that as we go. But okay. we, should, we should mention that we haven't shared our picks with each other. No, we so haven't. So this is all very fresh Correct. reactions as we go through it. So we've both done this independently mm-hmm. and now we're bringing it, bringing it to the table here at the same time. So start with 10,000 meters. Again, final is Thursday night. It's going to be late our time, 11.27 p.m. and then 12.09 a.m. will be the start times for the men's and women's. So it's going to be late. You'll have to either watch this streaming on NBC Sports Gold or follow along on Twitter. You can check out FlowTrack's Twitter or Let's Run's Twitter. I think either of those or Runnerspace even should have live updates if you want to follow along via text. Now, for the men's, on the men's side, we'll start there. The standard, the IWF standard is 27.45. And so you have six men in this race with the standard with 24 total that have declared. Now, the six that have, that have met the standard that are probably, you could say, a cut above the rest of the field, clearly in terms of ability and competing for the actual top three would be Galen Rupp, who I mentioned, going for his ninth in a row, eight-time champion already for the 10,000 meters. Chadrack Kip, Kipchishir, Hassan Mead, Leonard Career, Chris Derrick, and Sam Chalanga. Those are your IAAF standard holders for the men's 10K. No, but that Sam has only run 28.09 this year. But he gets in on an asterisk because he finished in the top 15 at World Cross. Right. Just so, make sure that's clear. That's yeah, important yeah. So for people he, to understand a good this point. a little so bit. So Sam of, doesn't have the time standard, but there are some mm-hmm. asterisk ways you can get in to the, the, to the IAAF kind of standard making, and that's if you have a previous world medal or you have done certain things at other IAAF level events. So, which, by the way, is really cool. I love that that's the case. I think that that gives great value to world championship races and the importance of those in other contexts. So, So... That's kind of setting the stage on the men's side. Really, you've got six guys that are competing for the top three. The other nuance here that I will say applies to this and the 5K is that because the 10K is Thursday and the 5K is Friday night, there's a little bit of gamesmanship going on in terms of registering for both, but potentially not Mm -hmm. racing or finishing both. We've seen this play out of the trials before where a lot of people enter the 10K, may start it, but if things aren't going well, they'll drop out. Or if something happens, they'll drop out. So 
you'll have some of these guys in the 10K that are also registered for the five that may not ultimately do. But there seems to be a good bit less of that this year than there has been in the past, given the it's, fact, given the fact that it's just weird. Like Ben didn't sign up for the ten. Ben, I mean, uh, Ben True didn't sign up for the ten. He went just for the five. Um, so there was a little. Galen just went for the ten. He didn't register for the right. five. So there it's are a some, little bit. It's a little cleaner. Yes. I would say it's more complicated on the women's side. Way more complicated on the women's side, <laughs> especially once you layer in the fifteen hundred too. Yeah. But anyway, that's some context setting on the men's side. We're gonna start with you. Oh, here we go. Ten K predictions, Steve. All right. So I'm gonna three. give. A, so I'm gonna give a little context here because I'm trying to win this competition. So my str- that's why I asked earlier about strategy, okay? The only way we're, Chris and I are going, we know our sport pretty well, and we're pretty sure that things are going to play out in certain ways. We don't really know exactly how it is. And for some context, Chris, you and I have been kind of playing this game for a number of years now yep. in a very low-key, text-back-and-forth kind of way. Um, and it's remarkable how often the difference maker are these decisions that we make to not necessarily pick, to pick the one who's expected to win or to not pick the one that's expected to win. And I think when we did that texting back and forth that we played this game in the past, we've always done it like in the context of just this race, what's going to happen. But I want to make sure people are clear that if I were making my 10K predictions just on this race, I might pick just a little bit different. But I don't care because I want to win the title. You're trying I'm, to win. I'm trying to win. I like it. So here's my picks. First place, Shadrach Kipchichir. Second place, Leonard Career. Third place, Hassan Mead. And my wild card is Galen Rupp. So wow. I am not picking wow. Galen to get in the top three. I think, um, I don't believe he's, I think these guys are going to make, no, the, I think these guys are going to make the race go. And they're going to make the race go, and then they're going to shift, and they're going to change gears. They're not going to let Galen, they're going to go early, and then they're going to back off, and they're going to let it sit around. And I think they think they're going to be pretty sure that Galen's not going to have the wheels at the end. Galen does still have wheels, and I don't think that they would have put him in this race. But if he didn't, right? I don't think Alberta would put him in this I mean, position. He closed in what fifty-five, fifty-six for the five k at Portland track. Yeah, but other guys kicked with him. I mean, so here's the thing: these other guys are super wheelie. Hassan Mead can run. I mean, the guys run three thirty-four for fifteen hundred meters. Leonard Career is a shark. He knows when there's blood in the water. He knows how to finish. And Shadrach Kipchichir has been running really, really well all year. He's running really, really well. I think what they're going to do is they're going to fiddle fart around. It's going to go out fast. And it's going to start to fiddle fart around. They'll, fsh, they'll go back and forth and back and forth. And Galen will either be all the way out in front doing all this work by himself, in which case he's going to get these guys can run. He's only 22 seconds faster than the next guy. And that seems like a lot. But in the U.S. championships, let's also remind everybody, we are not in Eugene, Oregon, right? This is an important Thing. We, are in, we are in Sacramento, California. It is still going to be hot on the track. During the track races, it's going to be in the hundreds or in, the, in, the, in, the, in the afternoons. In the evenings, by the time it does cool down a little bit in Sacramento, but I've been on that track many, many times. It's hot, folks. It's hot. They're going to be running in 80-degree temperatures at best, in my opinion. Maybe 70, high, mid to high 70s, more likely in the 80s. Galen, I don't think he's going to, I don't think the weather's going to be, I think it's not going to be optimal for him. It's going to create a lot of challenges for him. If I were just picking the 10, I'd probably put him at second. I think he's going to get out kicked, period, by somebody. But for the, for the factor of trying to win this event, I'm putting him out of the top three to get a new guy in the top three. Let me talk to you a little bit about the three guys I did pick. Anyway, go ahead. What, well, just one interjection. 
because in the context of this whole thing, and I know it'll feed into your discussion, is to me this whole race is Amer- is Galen Rupp versus American Distance Project. Correct. Galen Rupp against right? New Kenyan. Uh, uh, Kenyan, four, former Kenyan Americans. Four guys in that group in this race, and they can play team tactics, especially with a couple guys that know, hey, I can defer and help well, my Sam teammates. Sam Chalenga's not really in that mix. He's really an American. He's sort of been in that space. No, he's he not, is, but he's in the same coaching world and could potentially team up with those guys correct. to work against Rupp. But correct. anyway, so there's, but mostly, there's potentially some team dynamics there. There's but go team, ahead. Give team us your dynamics, Kenyan dynamics, lots of other pieces. I think the Kenyan, I mean, that's why I've got Kipchichir and, and Career taking the one, two. I just think they're going to be too, they're going to be too wily, too savvy, too going to figure it out, and they've got a plan. There's a plan in place for them to try to get to that position. Um, now, one's American Distance Project and one is U.S. Army, right? They're not on the same, yeah, they're not on the same unclear. team. They're not coached by the, same at, by the same coach, and they're not focused on the same basic thing. And Hassan Mead is definitely an American. I mean, he was, went to an American high school. He's more like Meb, who we talk about frequently. Sure. There's another whole subtext here about this idea, which some, we keep flirting around it sometimes in our discussions of this. Is it appropriate and proper for Kenyans who basically got schooled in the United States only in their college game to be able to become Americans? I'm adamantly and absolutely against this idea 100%. It's happening, so because it's happening and there's nothing I can do about it in that play, I'm just going to watch it. Of course, I'm gonna, when we talk about the 5K at the end of this discussion, I'm a huge Paul Chalimo champion. I think he's one of the coolest dudes that ever has run in a U.S. uniform, and I, he is literally this exact. So I, I know I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but yeah, I made a crazy prediction. Shadrach Kipchichir, Leonard, Leonard Career, Hassan Mead, the race is going to go out fast for the first mile, maybe 2,000. It's going to slow down. It's going to fiddle fart around. They're going to surge back off, surge back off. And most of that pressure is going to get put on Galen. If the race goes medium fast with Galen sitting at the back and doing no work, I could be wrong because all these guys could start to race each other. But if Galen puts himself in the top five from the start of this race and is playing in the top five, I think it's a bad sign for him. So if you're watching the race and you do spend that $70 to get an eyeball on it, I could be wrong with these predictions, but um, but you're right. You're right. There is the point that if if you're watching it or listening or following the the tweets, if if Galen's doing work early, that's bad for him. It's very bad for him. It's going to be a problem because not only he does wheelie naturally, but his training has taken him so far outside that. Um, and they trained hard in that zone. And I don't. I don't. Alberto's got some amazing techniques to get guys to turn over and get faster but we saw with we just saw uh, uh, Jordan Hesse who just ran Boston as well who's coached by Alberto Zalzar run a 5k recently all, and, and couldn't turn it on and turn it over and get it right then they just scratched her and said okay we're not running on the track this year we're gonna go we're gonna go run Peachtree which what their plan is now so I think you know it, it, I think Galen is in big danger and that's why I'm not picking him for the top three Chris, what are your so, call? What are your, what's your play? So we had two overlaps and one name and place match. So, but a lot of differences here. I'm going with Rupp. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm going with Rupp for the win, nine in a row. I think this will be his last track U.S. championship. And I think he wants it knowing that this could be his last U.S. track championship. He's obviously already punted on the 5K and realized he doesn't have the wheels to compete there. So... 
I think he wants this badly. I think he showed enough wheels to me in Portland Track Festival that as long as he's hanging around. Yeah, but he did those wheels on a, what was the race? What'd they run? 1350? Uh, yeah, 1350 something, whatever. I, I know it wasn't super <laughs> fast, but but he also has a ma- just massive strength. Yes, so he does. He's, he's not going to be hurting at some paces that these guys are going to be hurting at. But so they're going to shift. They will, potentially. And so it's going to be interesting, like I said, to see how much work he does, how much shifting he does, how much he lets them toy with him because they can play that team tactic. And, and is he ready between the ears to deal with that? Because largely he hasn't had to. For the most part in these U.S. champs where he's won, he's gone to the front at some point, laid down a pace that nobody can match, and then kicked home. And what year was it that he, that he played these games with folks and then he went out the back? Was it two years ago at the U.S. champs? I can't he's remember done where it, it was. before when, when he's been... I think it was... The five, it was after he'd won the 10. Remember when he got... Yeah, so he's played these games before. There was a time when he could be more loosey-goosey and kind of roll with the punches and flow. This one, I think he does have to come in with a strategy to say, I'm going to run X, I'm going to make sure everybody's hurting, and, and not worry about what else they do. And, you know, if they surge off the front, let them go. If they, you know, fall back, keep the pace, whatever. So I think he's going to have to have a plan, but because of his strength and because I've seen enough wheels from him. So you're giving him the win. Tell me your other I'm number. I'm giving him the win. Okay. Leonard Career, I've got second. So we're on the same. To me, it yep. was him or Kip Tichir. I've got Kip Tichir third. I think those, could, those two could easily flip. Yeah, you know, I think it just depends on who has a better day and who has up in the right position at the right time. Chatty's got a little more pop and go. I've watched him. You know, he ran for Western Kentucky, then he ran for um, Oklahoma State. He's just got some wheels. Leonard Career is supremely talented, and he's more a half marathoner. He's a little bit more of a longer guy. So anyway, yeah. we'll see how it plays so, out. Yeah. So I, I picked Career for that reason because I feel like. Rupp's going to make this more of a strength raise if he can, and then that kind of gave me the ed- ed- career of the edge for me in my head. But we'll see. Kip Tuchir, I got third. I had Meade on my short list as well, but I like him more in the five, although I didn't put him in the top three there either. Um, I'm, not had, sure, I'm not sure that he's going to finish. He's had challenges with the 10 before. I'm, and I'm he, not sure that he's going to finish. And he has thrown the towel in in the past to be ready for the next race. So, so that's, And it played well for him. That's my prediction too. with so. Meade. So... Anyway, so I think men's 10K, generally the storyline is Rupp versus these U.S. Army and American Distance Project guys, and what happens, and can Rupp get his last U.S. championship? Now, in, for, in just track? for a heartfelt thing, I would love to be wrong, and I would love to have Hassan Mead win the whole meet. I would, if they do <laughs> play shifting and changing gears and everything else, I think he has a chance to do it. There was a window in which I had him. I had written this. This, is, this race in the women's 10 I have changed my picks multitude of times. And, you know, I started doing this last night. I mean, I've changed it over and over. The women's I changed literally two minutes ago. I mean, like right before, right as we were introing this thing. So um, I would love to see Hassan Mead win the whole thing. And I'm, I'd be happy to lose the whole competition if that happens. But I'm still going for the win. I like it. So that's the men's side. I think the other storyline here as we shift to the women's is that Men's 10K needs some depth and that we don't have, but the women's is deep. Very it's deep. absurdly deep. And we've got only 21 declared, but 15 of those have the standard. So essentially, no one's missing out on, on Worlds if they make top three because we've got a really deep field. Although in a lot of ways, this race is wide open in some ways because you've got you know seven women, and, and by my count, that really can compete for the top three. 
But, you know, there's some wild cards in there. So this one's going to be interesting. I will say Molly Huddle's going for her three-peat on the, the 10K U.S. Championship. So we've got sort of two long-standing leaders in both of these races that are hard to bet against. But, you and know, with Galen, I said, I think the time was ballpark. Let me just check it real quick. Give me just a second. Galen was basically 20-plus seconds ahead of the next um, 10K guy in his race. And that's not PRs. Those are the times for the year, right? right. Over the, over the right. last year. For, right. for the time of the window that they had, which is the first week of May all the way through the day of the race, right? Um, Molly, on the other hand, is more than a minute it's ridiculous. ahead of everyone else. I mean, that is, that is not... And we've got the names we're talking about. Amy Craig, Emily Enfield. I mean, Emily Enfield meddled. <laughs> at, yeah. the, at the right, so I mean, she did she medal or she got fourth or something? But was the race that she she, she medaled in the world champs? She got third. She, she beat Huddle. She beat Huddle at the world at champs the, at the line. So we've, we're yeah. talking about people who are like real, right? Yeah. And and she's a minute in front of all of them, which is so crazy. I'm going to start with my predictions here. As I said, there's seven women in my opinion that have a chance. There's Molly Huddle, Amy Amy Hastings, Craig, Emily Enfield, Emily Enfield. Emily Sisson, who we've talked about on this show, Kim Conley, I'd put her on the outside of this list, Shalane Flanagan because it's Shalane, and then mm -hmm. Natasha Rogers, who isn't that high in the time list, but we know from talking about her over several podcasts that she's going to be in the mix. So my predictions are huddle for the three-peat. I just don't, you know, like, like I've said before, there's death taxes in Molly Huddle. Like, yep. And she's not in rough situation where there's, there's no chinks in the armor that we've seen. She it's didn't like, run a marathon in April. She, that's right. So, so I think she's going to be on the top of her game. Molly Huddle for the win. I'm picking Amy Hastings Craig for second, which I think is a bold choice. Mm -hmm. And then Natasha Rogers to round out the podium. My rationale there is that I think this is going to be a fast race. I don't think Huddle's messing around. I don't think Shalane's messing around because she's got to live off of her strength in this race. And so Shalane's probably at this point with the way that Jerry, their coach, Jerry Schumacher, for that, at that, um, at the, for the Bowerman Track Club, they will work tactics together. They will sacrifice the, the if anybody's ever seen the movie uh, Albino, Albino Alligator, I highly recommend it, but they will albogator. They will literally throw her out there to try to get the win for Amy or do the best they can for Amy. So I'm with right, you there. Right. And, and then, but so I think it's going to be fast which I think helps Hastings, mm -hmm. Craig, Amy, because she's been focused on the half distance. It didn't go great for her at, at New York half, but, but she's been focused on that and then really just turning her attention to this. So she's, and she had, you know, she's had a couple of decent races this spring. I like her strength coming off the marathon. Rogers has strength too, but I think she does better in a race that closes faster. Mm -hmm. So that's my picks. Huddle, Crag, Rogers. If I had to pick a fourth and wild card, as you threw out there mm -hmm. for the men's 10K, I'd put Shalane in there because it's Shalane mm -hmm. and she's strong. And yeah, she hasn't been training that much because of injury. She's kind of just recently got back on form, but you can't ever count her out. No, and she looked really good at the... Uh, I mean, she looked terrible. If you saw some of the photos, she was working <laughs> extremely hard. She's super fit. She's super... She wants it really bad and she's getting into the twilight of her track career like Galen is. And I think Shalane's in a good spot, but I don't have Shalane anywhere on my list. Okay. So 
We've got the same people. We just have them in different order. All right. Nice. So I got Natasha Rogers for the win. I do agree with you. I think it's going to go fast, but she ran 1508 the other day. I, I just think it's, it's come out time. Five years later, she's going to come right back out on top. I think Molly, I think it's going to be hot again. I think Heat is going to play into this and the way it goes out and the way it happens and what goes on here. I think they're going to keep pushing and they're going to keep pushing and Natasha's going to sit back like a little, she's going to tuck in like a little bird and wait for all the drama to happen. I could be wrong if Craig can make, if Craig and Shalane can make a break, but they're not going to break Molly. So if they're not going to break Molly, I don't think they're going to break, I don't think they're going to break Natasha. And I think. Emily Sisson will be in tow. I think Kim Conley will be in tow. I think there's going to be, I think it's going to be, I, I am going to, I almost, I might even throw the $70 price tag down just to watch this race. I'm so excited about <laughs> watching this what, race because yeah. this race, I think it's going to turn into a slugfest. I think it's going to be a six to seven woman, eight, 12 round boxing match, heavyweight boxing match. They're just going to go at it. I'm so excited about this race. I'm, so my picks are Natasha for the win, Amy Hastings Craig for second. And Molly Huddle for third. I've seen Molly get broken before, and if she gets broken, she breaks. I don't think. I think she'll hold on. I think she'll still. And my wild card is Emily Sisson. She's had a great year. She's run nearly as fast. She's run as fast or faster in every case that Natasha has. But I've watched Natasha. I'm a huge champion of hers, and I've watched her run. She's in the best. She's at least in the best form that she's ever been in. When there's blood in the water, that woman's a shark. She'll get it done. So those are my picks. So we've gonna get. I like it. I mean, I think. I think. All of those, I think Emily Infield, Emily Infield, she's the only one I'm not sure about because we just haven't seen anything from her since. But we Rio. haven't seen things from her in the past, and she shows up and so, crushes yeah, it. Be so there. we could Sisson, be wrong; she could win whole the whole group. thing. I think Kim Conley probably isn't going to be a factor. No, I don't but think so. You're right; it's going to be six women throwing haymakers, and I might throw down the money just to see it too. because yeah. <laughs> I am way more excited about this than the men's. Although the men's, now that we've talked about it, is more intriguing. Yes. Because that's sort of in my it's head. It's intriguing true. because, listen, folks, I, I, we talked about this in the past, and I want you guys to understand this, why Chris and I are so excited about this. These are still fucking foot races. Like, there's a line drawn in the sand, just like when we were little kids, or you're running around the house, right? The line drawn in the sand, somebody says, go, and who comes across the line in the first place? And that human element of keeping everything it's the same. And so tactics come into play and all these other things happen. It's so cool. And if you know the way they work, it's like watching a high-level chess match, but they're moving their bodies doing it. Um, and there's more stuff going on here because in like a boxing match where they're going head-to-head one-on-one, there's other people and other players. That's why I like Natasha for the win here. I think she's just going to sit off the back, respond to each challenge that comes, and then be ready to go. Now, she's not the kicker kid. She's not a kid who's like, oh, the, like the Bernard Lagarde who just always waits and waits and waits and then out kicks. She'll go in there and throw some haymakers herself if she's feeling good. But I just think she's got the ability. She's, the others are marathon training. Natasha is not in the marathon training mode. She's just ran 1508. To me, when I saw her run 1508, I wouldn't have picked her if she hadn't run that fast. She ran so fast so recently. That's, that's my pick. I like it. It's going to be good. All right. We got to switch gears. Let's switch gears to the 5K. So this, again, we're going in order by final sequentially. So the 5K final will be on Friday night. This time, hey, we'll start with the women just to give the women some love. This, to me, this race in general, 5K for both men's and women's is the hardest because you just don't know who's going to be there by Friday because some of these athletes will have run the 10 and decided not to do the 5 or they'll have qualified in the 10 and as a result, they're not doing the 5. 
And so there's some dynamics here that make it hard to know who will even be on the line. But for women, you've got 24 declared, 11 have the standard. The world standard is 1522 for them. And so, again, most likely anyone who makes top three will have the standard. And, and to me, and I'm going to start this time and you can follow me. This one, the women's 5K, I think is going to be a slow tactical affair. I think of any of the women's races, this is going to be the one that you look at them and you're like, guys, go. It's time to go. Because you have a lot of 1,500 meter runners in this race. And also you don't have, with Huddle sitting this one out most likely, and you know, and some Emily Infell, Emily Sisson, I think they're going to be, they're declared, but they're going to be likely sitting out depending on what happens in the 10K. Or if they complete the 10K and they're in it with Haymakers, they're not going to come back and be a factor in the 5K. So I think you're going to have a slow tactical race. My predictions are Shannon Robery, who's the American record holder, typically a 1500 meter specialist, but I think, and she hasn't, by the way, tip, she hasn't declared what she's going to do yet. She's I, made, she's made many, she's made bones about doing both. Right. But, but she we'll hasn't see. declared. Right? And the 1500 meter prelim is the day before. So there's some questions about which race she's actually going to go for. But I think she's going to win coming down in a kicker's race. I'm picking Shelby Houlihan for second because she's got a couple of indoor titles this year and she's run fast for the mile or the 15. And then Marielle Hall, your protege, <laughs> rounding out the podium, who also has a 1500 meter background. Most people may not know that but is going to be the UT Longhorn finishing out the podium mm-hmm. for this one. Again, for me, but this one was my hardest to pick. Not only because I don't know who's going to be on the line, but also because it's going to be, I think, wide open tactical affair, and it's going to come down to who has the best final two laps. So I don't agree with you. I think we're, our, number, our names are pretty similar, but I'm not going to accept. In fact, we have two of the same in the same spots. Okay. But... um. I think that this race will be a tactical affair till 2K out from five laps out. So it's, I don't know that it's going to go for them again. Now, one wild card here in my mind is what is Molly going to do? Because I think that is the absolute question. So if Molly doesn't get on the starting line, I think what you've got planned is probably what's going to happen. So the way you've called it is probably going to be that way. If Molly gets on the starting line, I think Molly gets second here. I think Shannon's going to win. I don't think anybody can beat Shannon in the mind that she's in. She's obviously dodging the drama of what we're going to be talking about in just a little bit about the 1500, which, by the way, is the greatest race. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about the 10, but the women's 15 is just psycho There's crazy fun. a lot of good fun. stuff there. But I think Molly's going to run because I because I think she's my wild, I got a wild card in the 10K, so I got to follow my script, you know? And I think she's going to come back, and I think she's going to be hungry, and I think she's going to want to go for it, and I think she's going to make the race happen sooner. She's not going to be able to get away from Shannon. There's just no way she's going right. to be able to get away with Shannon. Shannon's run. Now she's run 1435 or 38 or something psycho she's got crazy. She's record. Oh, I mean, she's just... It's and, ridiculous. And she's on fire she's right now. Speed, yeah. She's hungrier than ever, and she doesn't want to deal with Shannon. She doesn't want to deal with Jenny anymore. Jenny just has her number. Every time they race, Jenny gets her. Of course, both of them are going to get gotten by somebody else, but leave, leave that one alone in the 15. But tonight, this is what on this race I'm calling it. I'm, kind of, I'm saying Shannon Robry for the win, Molly Huddle for second, and Mario Hall for third. So we've got the, fir- the, the first and the third in the same spots. My reasoning for Mario Hall is a lot more because she knows how to stay around. I've watched her in many championship races stay around a long enough, close enough, so that she can be where she needs to be. She's also got some wheels. Those wheels are especially best played out 
on long, slog, hard finishes to the line. She does way, way better than that. If it sits around and you're right and there's only 200 meters to go and they're all together, I, I think that's going to be a hard turn for Marielle. In that case, I've got my, again, my wild card, right? Watch out for Natasha Rogers if they decide. <laughs> if she decides to come back and they play tiddlywinks like that and she's run off a big thing, Mari, I mean, Natasha's not super fast. I mean, if you ran, if you ran these women in an 800-meter open, Natasha would get beat by all of them every time. But blood in the water, finding the finish line, I've, I've not seen anybody better at that in a long time other than Centro Leo on the men's side. She, she mimics a male distance runner in that way of, of, of showing up when it matters. Now, everybody will say, who is this Natasha you're talking about? I mean, if you listen to our podcast, you know. But I just got to, I got the chance to watch her. She went to the Texas A&M. I got to watch her run against the athletes that I was coaching at the time. I recruited her to come to the University of Texas. So it was sort of a thorn in the side to see her perform at such a high level. But I know the way that she races, and it's super exciting in tactical-type track races. Am I, do I think Natasha is the best representative for the United States at the U.S. Championship, at the World Championships? Eh, maybe not, but I just think it's going to play out this way at, at, at well, USA. the huddle pick is interesting. I think if she comes back, then she's, she's got to be a factor. I'm predicting she doesn't come back, which is why I left her out. Now, we'll point out some internal inconsistencies in your picks because if she breaks in the 10, she's not going to be able to in position. I don't think to come back in the five strongly, but we'll see. They don't break physically. Chris. We'll see. These we'll athletes see. are all at the same level. But They're all the heat, so close you know to the how same hard level. It is to run a 10 K in the heat. But anyway, that, yeah, I that, also know she's a minute faster than anybody else in the 10. <laughs> so I, you know, I mean, you, you're not going to so keep Molly. I don't think you're going to keep Molly down. It's a question is, does she, the, that real question is the one that you stated. Will she show up to the starting line of the 10K? And if you're right and she wins the 10, you're right. She won't show up. To, she won't show up. She won't show up. Right. If she doesn't win, she might show up. Um, so we'll see. So we'll see. Interesting. But I like it that we had a couple matches there. I think that's probably going to happen more often with the rest of these. So let's switch to the men's 5K. We'll see what happens with Huddle on the women's side. Men's 5K again. We're going one round. The IWAF standards 1322. We've got 23 men declared. Again, not all of those may choose to toe the line depending on what happens with the 10K. Nine of those have the standard. Again, anybody I think in the mix for this is going to be likely with the standard. We'll start with you, Steve. What are your picks on the men's 5K? All right. So this race is problematic. <clears throat> I don't, I've, this is the first year in 10 years that I have not been at this meet, which I haven't stated yet, but I was just telling Ruth uh, wow. that I, it is 10 years that I've been standing on the starting line watching this race. And I will tell you, if it's probably 10 straight years that this was the most disappointing, disappointing race that happened in the whole meet. Yep. Um, one, year at Drake, one, week, one year at Sacramento, I watched this race happen, and it was, or it was Drake or Sacramento, I can't remember, and it was just so sickening that they ended up winning in 15 minutes or something. It was like, it was just a joke. It was the 1,500 meter all over again. And even those guys, I mean, anyway, I'm picking this race. We've got, the, we've got the, the most recent Olympic silver medalist who ran one of the most heroic Olympic races in the top 10 Olympic distance races at the Olympics for a, a U.S. male that I've ever seen. Paul Chalima, go back and watch the 5,000 meters in Rio what a, chan what a great race he ran, and what a smart race he ran, and such a fun guy to watch run. I'm picking Chalimo for the win. He's just can close. He knows how to be smart. He's wily. 
I watched him when he ran in college. He was incredibly good. He's getting better and better and better. In fact, I think he's the guy who could, one of the guys who could potentially knock off um, Sir, uh, Sir, what am I blanking on his name all of a sudden? Uh, Sir Gay? Sir Ga- no, 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 Sir, no, at, in the 10K, in the 5K at, uh, at, the oh, UK Mo. guy, Mo. Mo Farah. He's the guy who could knock Mo off now that he's got his his right. his so his so and his oats. He knows where he's at. So I'm saying Chalimo for the win. Eric Jenkins, who's in really fine form. He's been shifting and closing. The guy knows how to close. And then this is really a heart thing. I really want Ben True to make it. He's run real fast this year. He's balanced his speed and his strength. I'm really hoping in Boston they've got this right for him, that they've got him lined up and good and that he's ready to go. So my picks are number one, Paul Chalimo, number two, Eric Jenkins, number three, Ben True. But I'll tell you what, if this race sits around and they don't do anything till 400 meters to go, I still think Chalimo is going to be the winner. I still think Jenkins will be in the top three, but I don't think Ben will be there. My dark horse is Leonard Career. I think if, it, it, if the race is fast, he's the one guy who could come in and not necessarily win it, but he could knock Ben out. He could knock other guys out. There's wheelie guys who I could call in to put in that position. I just think, I just hope to God this race will be a real race and they'll make something of it. The good news is Chalimo's fresh, Jenkins is fresh, Ben True is fresh. They're not running any other races. They're go- I think they're going to make it real. It's up to True, I think, to make it real. Mm-hmm. And Jenkins has, in the Jenkins past, won't. honestly, True hasn't made it real. I've, I've been trying to get him to make it real, sort of watching and cheering. But I haven't seen him do that. And so my prediction for this race, as just like the women's, is going to be slow, just like it has been the last nine years or <laughs> ten years you've been watching it. going to be slow. And I don't think there's anyone except for True that has incentive. Maybe Chris Derrick, but Chris Derrick hasn't shown enough form. True is the only one that has incentive to, to push it. Chris's marathon training, I think. He'd be more likely out. to be a dark horse in the ten. I just don't think it's going to happen in the five. Yeah. Yeah. So True's the, it's on True to make this race. If he doesn't make the race, then it's going to be a kicker's race, I think. And, and we're, we've got two of these exactly the same and one different. I've got a wild card in this one. Paul Chalimo, I think there's no way anybody beats him in any, in any style race. He can kick with the best of them. He could run from far out with the best of them. I think he could win. An, I, think he could win I think he can win the world championship. Jenkins, so. Jenkins second. Mm-hmm. I think this is his first U.S. team. He's kind of not put it together in some other races, but he's still young and, and, you know, but this is, this, I think race race will play out perfectly for him, especially without people like Rupp and some other big names in it. I've got for my third spot, Lopez Lamont. Oh, going for a big one. You know, former Olympian as a 1500 meter runner carried the flag for the U S yes. And he's kind of, hasn't done a lot since then, but trains with Schumacher still, you know, showing up. He ran 355 at pre, so he's got the wheel still there. And I think if he's in it and it's a slow race, I think he puts it together to nab third. If I were going to pick somebody else for third, it'd be Meade. Because I think he's probably going to end up DNFing in the 10K. <laughs> That's my prediction. So I'd put him on the outside of this, you know, kind of competing for that, for that line as as they waterfall to the finish in this one, because I think it's going to be exactly like that. You know, Chilimo might pull away in the last lap, and then three guys are waterfalling, or four guys are waterfalling for the last. Two, I think Chilimo will, will wind it up from 600 to 800 out in a slow race and just make everybody suffer. And then that's the place where I get worried about Jenkins as a pick, because his resilience is questionable. So His strength, right? He, it, it's his resilience. It's not even his strength. I, I think, I think 
I think Eric Jenkins could be the most Amer- talented American distance runner we have, even maybe even more talented than Chalimo. He's just simply gifted, but he has not shown the kind of resilience. I saw him a number of years ago when he was running for Northeastern in this first 3,000 meter. At, it was, they were running indoors in Fayetteville, Arkansas. I'll never forget it. And I was like, who the hell is that guy? He's just built to do it. But even, even Alberto hasn't been able to get it quite right. I think if he'd gone to run with Jar- Jerry, he might be running better. But, you know, my problem with Lopez in your pick is Lopez is, a, Lopez is whatever happens between the years. And um, when he's on, he's on. When he's not, he's not. And it will all come down to whether, where, where that plays out. Um, I do think your 350, his 355 at pre, was, is a great reason to pick him. If he'd run 402, I'd be like, nah. And I, I had him in sort of my back of my mind. But I also, I also, you know, John Hayes, who coached at the University of Texas at the same time that I did, he coached Lopez to that. 1500 meter, you know, Olympic, Olympic birth. Um, and I know a lot about Lopez that I won't share here <laughs> that, that can make it challenging so for you, him. So you, you question his mental fortitude. Correct. I get it. Jenkins, the other problem with Jenkins, by the way, is he's just used to finishing second. Yeah. Has unfortunately, that's the way it has happened that's a the lot. Way it was with King Chez yep. in Oregon a whole lot. So there you go. So we've got two, both of those two similar to the exact same. And then, too different, so we'll you see. You see why I chose in the 10K to go a little off, because I just knew we were going right. to be so close in our pick. I think things will get interesting, though, maybe with one or two of these others. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's the 5K. Now we're going to the 1500. This race has two rounds. Typically, if it's an Olympic year, they would do three rounds over a longer period of time, but because this meet is condensed, it's two rounds. There's a first round and a final. First rounds are Thursday, finals on Saturday. We'll start with the men this time, and I'm going to go to you for your picks. We've got 37 total declared. Seven men have the standard, either, whether by time or some asterisk way to get the standard. The men's standard is a 336. What are your picks, Steve? All right. Men's so 1500. This, you know, we're, at some point in time, we're going to have to talk about Clayton Murphy's double. So yep. I don't know if we do it here or we do it in the eight. It doesn't matter to me where we do it, but um, I, I think that we'll this... Let's start it here. Okay, we'll start it here. to introduce him because that's a factor. Right. So Clayton Murphy, um, recently, well, last year, he went from being an Akron collegiate athlete to being a Nike athlete, um, and he's uh, a medalist at the World, at the Olympic... I don't even remember what he... What place did he get? He hit fourth at the Olympics or third at the Olympics? Third. Third. Bronze. Yeah, yeah, bronze. But he's an 800-meter guy, but everybody in the world, everybody really knows he's a 1,500 guy, at least in my gut. And I know I've, I've watched some stuff about him and his coach and how they train, and he's certainly really ready to run a great 15. So this is what Clayton's got to try to do. He's going to run a double. He's going to run on Thursday. He's got to run four hours apart, an 800-meter round one, which should be relatively easy for him given his strength. He's got to come back and run his first round of the 15 about four hours later. So now you've got... In the heat. In the heat. You've got a national class, and he's from, and he lives and trains in Akron, so middle America, probably a little warm, has gotten a little warm. Hopefully they've worked on these pieces, but so he's got to double, he's got to go eight and then 15 in the same day. Then the next day, he's got to get to a semi. That semi, when you look at what the eights, eight is looking at, I think it's a little bit of a weaker year for the eight than it's been in the past. I think if we went back two years, three years, Clayton would have a much dip, more difficult path through the eight to get to where he wants to be. Um, 
So I see that as uh, the tactical and strategic challenge of more of how do you play your cards right or how do you play your chess match right to get to where you need to be. And on Saturday, he's in the 1,500-meter final, the race that we're talking about. Um, and then he'll come back Sunday after that final, assuming he makes it into the final, and he'll come, and assuming he makes it into the eighth final, he'll run the next day the 800-meter final. So just so you know, we're laying that out there about he's got a lot of work to do. Five nope. races in four days. And nobody else is doing it. Yep. Nobody else is doing any of that work. Nobody else is getting even close to it. So here are my picks. Matthew Centrowitz, Olympic gold medalist. The man knows how to find a finish line. This year, he's messed around. Who knows how many beds he's hopped in? Who knows how many times? He's, he doesn't drink. So he we know he was. He's celebrating a little bit. And as well, he's deserved. Um, he is a champion. He will win this race. I just don't see any scenario where he won't. I truly am a huge fan of Clayton Murphy, but I think that Clayton has too much work to do over this time period to be able to beat the Olympic gold medalist in his game. And this guy, Matthew Sensowitz, can win in a 329-330 race, or he can win in a race that runs four minutes for a 1500. When I say four minutes for a 1500, that's like a 4.17, 4.15-mile. I mean, it's like so slow. He can win it anyway. And no matter how good Clayton is, even if it does go slow, I still think the kind of wheels that Matt Centrowitz has, the way he has the ability to stay at the front and change, shift, and gears, he's not going to get beat. Matt Centrowitz is going to win the gold. He was going to win the U.S. championships. Second, I think Clayton's going to walk through this, and I think he's going to get second. I think it's going to be a tight race. I think, I think it's going to be just watching Matt slowly but surely stay in front of Clayton, and he's not going to be able to shift gears. Clayton also likes to come from behind, he likes to stay near the front, but not on the front, and Matt knows how to run on the front, and I don't think that there's anybody that can shift and get by him and make it happen. And my third-place finisher, poor Blen Blankenship. I mean, he's the hero. Of, I mean, he's my hero. He's wearing long hair, always is crazy. He'll go to the front. He'll do all the work. He'll make it all. He'll make a lot of it happen, but he'll make poor strategic moves. He'll go from lane three to lane six to lane four and come back and forth, and he's just not going to get in. So I got Matt Centrowitz for the win. I got Clayton Murphy for second. And I've got Ben Blankenship for third. My wild card is a collegiate athlete, actually. A guy named Craig Engels who runs for Ole Miss. Um, he's running around with a mullet and a, and a, and a uh, prefontaine. Light blue jersey. Yeah. yeah. And he was at last year at the Olympic trials, he was in the eight and he was in the 15. He was fourth in the eight. He was like fifth in the 15. The guy's waiting to show up. He's got serious contract situations happening. It's his senior year. I think he's a guy... If he stays close enough, he's got the wheels, he's got the strength, he can make some things happen. So I got him as a wild card. I really don't think, I think he could be fourth. It doesn't really matter to me. It just means that he could be in that mix somehow and make some things happen. So that's, those are my picks. Chris, so what are you, you got thinking? Central Murphy. And Central and Murphy, Blankenship, Blankenship with a little angles. You're sort little of, angles. to me, you're going right down the middle of the fairway on that one. I there, am, Steve. I am. I, didn't, I, did a lot of other, I did a lot of other stuff. This is what so, I went right down the fairway. So <laughs> for me, this is... To me, the big question mark is Centrowitz's fitness. We don't know. He was supposed to run pre. He didn't because he was injured. We don't know if he's frustrated with the Oregon Project and the shade that they're getting from USADA. So we don't have a lot of data on him at this point. You're right. His history is great. He's a tactician, master tactician. He can compete. He's maybe the best 1,500-meter tactician in the world. Period. Yes. The end. An American 1,500-meter runner, which is crazy. So it's hard to pick against him, but we just don't have enough data. Mm -hmm. So to me, the big question of this race, will this be Clayton Murphy's 1,500-meter coronation or not? 
And, lots of racing it is. And so <laughs> it is lots of racing, but the 1500-meter final is Saturday. I think the 800-meter final, Murphy's going to start to run out of gas. So I'm actually picking Clayton Murphy for the win mm-hmm. because I think he's going to be sharper than Centro. And I just don't have enough data from Centro on what, where he's at. So I think the race will be relatively slow. Might go from 600 meters out with the guys that matter. Centro, Blankenship, Andrews, etc. But I'm picking Murphy for the win. Centro for second because I just don't see any scenario by which, unless he just doesn't finish because he's got an injury or something, that he doesn't get top two because he's that good under pretty much any level of fitness. And this is a little bit of a wild card, but a name, you know, an Olympian. I'm picking Robbie Andrews for third. I don't think that's a big stretch. I because think that's a great in, pick. In any tactical race, he's always going to be there, and he's learned not to be so silly and run at the way back. You know, he's going to learn, like Leo had to learn, that if you stay in the middle, then kick at the end, you've got a little better chance. So I'm going Murphy, Centro, Robbie Andrews. My top three could be the this could be the one that makes a difference right so, here because so we've yeah, got a so little bit different a little there. Different I just don't know going. how you. I do. I get what you're saying, but Ben. But ben is. What's your argument against okay, Ben? Why are you against Ben? Because yeah. I did consider him in that third spot. Is that I think he's going to do too much work. And I think yeah. tactically he's shown that he, he can make mistakes. He almost made that mistake in the Olympic trials when yep. Leo almost kicked him down. Yep. So. That's what I'm worried about with him. And so I'm just, um, and he did it in pre, essentially, right? So I'd love to see Ben move up to the five. I would just, I thought we might get a chance to see it. Somebody said he was flirting around with the 10K. Did you see that floating around the did. ether sphere that he might do that? I thought that was a little bit disrespectful for the distance, but I think in the five, he could, the he way could, he likes to race, he's he could a big be a guy. real, he's he, a big guy. He's not that big. He's no, he's no, he's taller than me. I'm just saying he's taller than me. And strong. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so Murphy, Centro, Robbie Andrews, those are my top three. I think the one other thing on the men's race we have to mention is this could be Leo's swan song. And it'll be interesting to see he doesn't have any decent results this year. We know he's been struggling with getting back to fitness. He changed coaches kind of back to his coach, his old coach recently. Mm-hmm. And we just don't know where he is, but is this is this the race that's it for him? I don't know. He has said he wants to train for the next Olympics, but I, I, don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. I haven't seen enough from him recently, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with Leo. I don't think he'll be anywhere near the top three. You know, we always, but this I always, could be the last time we see him. We always say, I don't think it'll be the last time we see him, because I think he's got, I don't know that he's got enough other options outside there to do anything else. So I think we'll continue to see him get out on the starting lines because of sponsor issues and other things. And, and he may actually round into amazing shape. A lot of it has to do with how much distraction he has in his life, how many other things are going on. I'll just say this, the Ace of Spades, that's my nickname for him. He doesn't like it. He and I have talked many times about this. I get to talk to Leo. Uh, anytime I see him, he's a super nice guy. And he's like, coach, what's happening? How's life? And you know, we, we, when he was being coached by John Hayes um, last year, right before he switched uh, switched horses, uh, switched coaches, he, or two years ago, he, um, I started calling him the ace of spades because in a game of poker, if, you, if, if, if you've got good hands and it, the ace of spades comes out on the final turn, a lot of really crazy things can happen. And on the final turn, so many times with Leo, the ace, he is the ace of spades because he's got that card at the end, right at the final turn. It's true. I just, so I do think if these races play out, I just think there's, the fact that there's one last round is in Leo's favor, but we just haven't seen anything 
to, t- to say that he's going to be able to get in the mix with the guys that he's been running with, you know? Um, but, you know, last year he wasn't in the same fitness, and he's stated outwardly that he's in better shape than he was last year. And he was fourth last year. And he almost ran bike and ship down. Right. So yeah. here we are counting out the if Ace of Spades. If he was a bigger guy, he might have run Blankenship He might have done it. But, you know, so please, anybody that's listening to this who has this really soft spot in their heart, realize Chris and I both really are huge Leo fans. Yes. We're just not sure that that's going to happen at this time. I think if it doesn't happen this year, watch out next year when it doesn't matter because I think he could come roaring back as a proof to where he could be and what could go on because we haven't talked about this yet, but next year is literally a lost year in track and field. It's like crazy we don't have some kind of world championship, some kind of other thing happening. Like nothing happens. The U.S. championship is like crickets. Nothing goes on. Anyway. Yeah. So we'll see with Leo, but that's something, another storyline to watch. There's a local Austin connection, seeing what he can do. Hopefully, hey, I hope he surprises me. I'm just saying I haven't seen it yet. Me too. So on the women's side, we'll switch gears there. We've got 30 declared, 12 with the standard. Again, likely no issues with folks with the standard making it onto the, the, the podium. I'll start here, and I think, I think we agree based on our preliminary banter on yes, this one we've talked yesterday. About this gonna... <laughs> I, think, I think we agree that on the top pick but you know for me the men's was about the clayton clayton murphy coronation university of akron pride Mm -hmm. of university of akron to me the women's 15 is about the kate grace coronation the the passing of the guard from jenny to kate grace she's kind of a late bloomer so to speak in her pro collegiate career came out of the ivy leagues had some injury issues been focusing on the eight and still says that's her primary event but she's plays both ways because she likes to work on her on her strength aerobic strength well her coach her coach is drew wartenberg who coaches um distance runners at every level but he's definitely a strength-based coach so she's prepared for 15 she is prepared and she does well in eights primarily because of her strength not because of her foot speed although she's Obviously, word damn, on the street. She's damn fast. Word on the street is her tempos are going better than her, Kim Conley's tempos are going. Their well, training partners. <laughs> that's a well, but that's a that's so a Kate stri- could move up, is what you're saying. I think she could even point. go to the five. So, but anyway, so, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Kate Grace for the win mm-hmm. over Jenny Simpson, second. I think there's no way. Jen, I mean, again, she's like Centro. She's great tactically. She's always, even if she's a little bit out of shape, she's always in the mix. So I'm going Grace. Simpson. If Rubbery was in there, you might have to question whether she could squeeze into second place, but to me, it's no doubt the top two. Grayson Simpson, Jenny Simpson. Third spot is hugely wide open, in my opinion, and this is where this race gets really interesting, depending on how it goes out tactically. Now, my opinion is that Jenny's going to keep this race honest, because I think she's going to feel like she needs to a little bit, just to put pressure on on Kate and you know to, to to run for the win but so I think the pace will be honest and then it's just going to come down to who has that last bit of extra and I think there's three four five maybe even six women that could potentially slide into that third spot I had two that I was picking between I'm going with Lauren Johnson hmm. former OTC elite athlete now I think trains uh, with New York, New Jersey, potentially. I think she's no, kinda... she runs with BAA. So she's oh, BAA, being... that's right. She switched right. The... I knew she switched to the East Coast. But I'm picking Lauren Johnson, kind of a late bloomer, ran D2 or D3 mm-hmm. in college, really hasn't 
progress until post collegiately, but ran really well recently at Portland Track mm-hmm. Festival in a 405 just behind Brenda Martinez. And so I'm picking her to slide into third. It, for me, it was between her and Amanda Eccleston, who's sort of my heartstrings kind of mm-hmm. favorite. She's been fourth so many times, yeah. <laughs> just missing teams, including last year for the Olympics, that I kind of hope she makes a team. And I, was tempted to slaughter in here, but I'm going with Lauren Johnson for, for my third spot. So that's my predictions. Kate Grace, Jenny Simpson, Lauren Johnson. So I won't, we won't, again, let's just reiterate. This is the best race of the track meet. I mean, I, I think the four, we're going to talk about the women's 400 hurdles, which also could be, we're not going to make predictions there necessarily, but we'll talk about it. But this is the race of the track meet to me. Um, and my picks are almost exactly yours except that we had a little switch i have kate for the win i just don't think how she, i don't know how she can't win what we saw at prefontaine the way that she was able to, to get away and i think jenny's going to push too hard jenny has a tendency sometimes to get in her own head a little bit she's the she's the greatest at being so ferociously intelligent and still getting over her smarts whereas kate plays a sort of she's ferociously intelligent but she plays the naive that sort of naive game like, oh, wow, that happened, even though you know she's way smarter than that. <laughs> right. But Jenny actually works through muscles, through her own intelligence to get where she needs to be, and I think it's going to cost too much for her. I just don't think she's going to, over the last 300, be able to get away enough. I think Kate, I don't think Kate blasts her. I don't think Kate runs away from her. I think Kate just gets away little by little over the last bit. Yep. Jenny still holds, and then I think Amanda Eccleston sneaks in. But Chris... My fourth pick, my wild card, is Lauren Johnson for all the exact same reasons that you just said. <laughs> her it. shifting over to one of the great 1,500-meter coaches ever who doesn't get any credit because he always gets the marathon credit because he's always coached those athletes um, over those years. Uh, you know, former Villanova runner who I'm, – I'm blanking on coach's name. Uh, my brain is farting. Um, the BAA coach. Anyway. He gets a lot of credit for having coached um, on the marathon level, but he also coached Dropsy, right? Fall down girl um, for the Adidas. Uh, <laughs> we always forget. Her I always forget her name too. too. Sorry, folks. We're <laughs> getting name dropped here, although we would have thrown it in here. Anyway, I think he can coach, and I think, she's, I think that she's ready, and she proved it at the Portland Track Festival. It was really, really good stuff. So, you know, we were almost dead even there. We just, aw- aw- awesomely, we just shifted our one, two, and three there. Morgan Eusini, by the way. Morgan Eusini, yeah. correct, yes. So, anyway, I think that, that we're on the same page there, and I think it'll be really interesting to see yeah, for those me, decision it was makers. A, it was a coin flip between Johnson and Eccleston. I, I really hope Eccleston gets it. Eccleston ran 403 this year. I mean, that to she, me was oh, the final ready, decision. Sure. That was the final decision, and she's had those heartbreaks enough. She knows, she knows she has to get to where she needs to get to on the finish line, and I think she'll just get there. My, on that point, I noticed that, but I was a little worried. It was a little earlier than what Johnson Correct. was running, so I was worried maybe she peaked too soon. I'm just afraid she's stuck in that fourth spot to make the team, but folks, this is somebody to root for. She'll be in a Brooks singlet, bright yellow and, and blue. Amanda Eccleston, she's missed a U.S. team twice by finishing fourth. And nobody knows her name. And like, nobody knows her total name. Total blue collar. And she's she's the dip for this. If she yes. makes this team, she's going to break down on the track. Oh, yeah, it's going to be because crazy. Because of where she's been, and you've got to follow that. So I'm rooting for her. I've just got her picked fourth again, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm stone cold like that. <laughs> All right, so switch gears. Now let's go to the eight. Now this one, 
is where we mentioned the rounds kind of come into play. We've got three rounds. So Clayton Murphy's doubling is going to be running three rounds there, two rounds on the 15, five races in four to days. Finish. But, but the 800 is three rounds in four days, starting with the men this time. Sorry, starting with the women this time, we've got the standard for women is 201, which for most elite level 800 meter runners in the U.S. is pretty comfortable because we've got a really deep 800 meter field for women. 32 declared, 13 with the standard. Likely everybody in the final by the time it gets to that is going to have the standard. This one, to me, I, I like the women's 15, but I think it's more straightforward. I think the women's eight might be the actually more interesting race if you, if you consider all the dynamics and play into the rounds factor. Especially if you look at the history of last year and the way those rounds and everything went through and the freaking MMA fight that was going on in every one of those races. That's right. So one thing I want to say with this is that if you're following the weekend, follow the rounds too. Even if you're just checking results or looking on Twitter to kind of see how the race has played out. Because the rounds matter. Steve and I watch every little bit of it if we can. <laughs> certainly follow it. Because by the time you get to that Sunday final for this race, it's, it's going to matter how people have done the rounds, how much work they've done, tactically, you know, kind of it's what they've had to play be- with. And it's going to be hot. So there's lots of factors. So the rounds matter, even if it, if it seems like you just want to fast forward to the final. The rounds matter. This race, and we kind of teed this up in our banter yesterday, it's a lot of old guard versus new guard. As we've kind of talked about, that's, that's largely the theme for a lot of these races. And it's tricky. I think it's wide open. There's, again, five or six women that could be in any of the places. Now, my picks. And then we'll go to yours, Steve. I'm going Aji Wilson. He's won in Sacramento before. Last time the, the U.S. Champs was held here, she won. I'm going Aji Wilson. She just set the U.S. indoor record, although that's now been nullified by some BS doping offense for eating some bad meat. And we think it's legitimately bad meat. But anyway, Aji Wilson, number one. I just think she's too good good tactically and she's got the wheels and she's young so i think she's just too good and over the course of the rounds she's had bad luck in u.s championships especially outdoor Mm -hmm. but i think she's going to take it for the win in this one my second is brenda martinez i was debating between her and my third pick as two and three i kind of flipped those after i'd written it down the first time i'm going brenda because of the rounds and because of the heat she's strong she's fit she knows it. She's been racing a lot of 15s, so she's used to kind of extended racing. And, you know, she's made some mistakes here and there tactically, especially last year in the final, but usually she's pretty sharp. So Brenda Martinez second. She's the old guard for a lot of people that may not be listening or may not know. This may be her last 800 yep. in the U.S. Champs. Likely she'll move up from here. And then I've got Raven Rogers finishing out the podium. I ding her a little bit because of the rounds, because of the heat. If it was just one 800, she could win the whole darn thing. But I think three rounds with the heat, I think she's third in this final. But again, it's wide open. What do you think, Steve? Well, I have almost exactly, the, we have the same players, a little bit different order, but okay. not that much different. Um, Aji Wilson for the win. I think she's pissed. I think she's had a tough year. I know her. I know her coach. I know they are always ready for game time. She is the person that you want to have the ball in their hands for the three-pointer with 1.2 seconds to go. She's had bad luck. Those, that bad luck usually happens 
before they get to the final. If yep. she's in the final and the gun goes off, she's going to win. They're ice, not gonna, ice in ice, her face. Ice cold. And she's, she'll run from the front. She can run from the back. She can run any way that she wants to. It, she's just unbelievable. When you consider the fact that she never went to college, I mean, she bypassed the college system and she went straight pro and she hasn't had the experience of all those big races. She grew up in, in New Jersey, in the Philadelphia area. She had a bill. She ran decent races, but she was always so good. For her to be so good and so tactically sound at this level with, without having that college experience is pretty amazing. And she's only 23, by the way. Correct. I mean, it's not like she's old. She's young. So she's probably only a year or two years older than Raven Rogers, honestly. She might, they might be damn near the same age. I don't know exactly. But right. I think they're about a year separated. But um, my second place, you and I have flipped. I've got Raven for second. I think um, the things that you said that she wasn't going to be able to, I watched her anchor the 4x4. Four four. I would have put Brenda as second place. Uh, my heart has Brenda in second place. Um, but I think Raven's ability... Uh, it, Brenda gets into trouble. She makes stupid bonehead moves. She gets in her t- tough spots where she's got to cut in and cut out. If Brenda in the 15 is, I don't know why she's not running the 15. I think if Brenda weren't in the 15, I'd be, I would be almost ready to give her a fight with Grace to win. But in the eight, I think it's, I think she's less likely to, I think she should have picked the 15. I got Brenda for third. I've got Raven for second. There's just a little subtle difference. The reason for pushing Raven up is go, we should, you should link it on the, on the show notes. (laughs) People need to watch that 4x4. Four four. To win the NCAA championships, Raven anchored a 4x4 four four and did it. I mean, it was the exactly... University of Oregon. University of Oregon, yes. Yeah. It was like unbelievable. It's, like you, it's what you dream of. I coached collegiately for seven years, and we, oh, our races always came down to the 4x4. Four four. And, you know, it, it's just so exciting, and Raven gets it done. I think she's going to be able to take that energy into the final. I don't think she's going to be able to beat Aji. I think Aji's just too... But I do think if I were really, really, really adventurous and really push it, I would have put Raven for the win. I think there's a chance she could win it. But I'm going Aji, Raven, Brenda for third. My wild card, everybody's going to be shocked. I coached this girl at college at the University of Texas. Her name's Kendra Chambers. People don't know that much about her. She ran two flat this year. She's ran, she went from, when I coached her, she ran 203. She's gone down to 201, two flat. She's a 4 by 4 girl. She's run anchor on 4 by 4 she knows how to suffer. She knows how to hurt. If she's around and people play silly games, she has an outside chance to slip into this mix. Or she'll be right up front there and knocking Brenda around, which allows Brenda not to get to the position that she is. I, it's more of a shout-out than it is almost anything <laughs> else. Super proud of Kendra Chambers to go from sort of a middling 400-meter runner who moved up to the 8 in her final year, you know, qualified for the NCAA championships her junior year and her senior year, but she was really more of a 400, 4 by 4 girl. And she's running um, with Rose down in San Antonio. She's a local girl. She's on a, on a local program. I, I've got huge hopes that Kendra runs really, really well. Big shout out to her. So I like the shout out. Another shout out while we're while we're wrapping this of this particular event is Alicia Montano is going to be racing national champion. Pasha. She's four months pregnant. No shout out. This is her second time to race (laughs) pregnant in the U.S. Championships. It was ridiculous the first time. It's ridiculous now. It's a a show. It's bullshit. The first time she was eight months pregnant. This time Yeah, well, that was a show. I mean, (laughs) both of them are a show. Stop it. Like, what are you doing? 
It's not the endangering the child. Like, I don't really care about that. Hell, I coached a woman, Kristen Tucker, to run freaking Boston damn near eight months pregnant. So <laughs> I don't have any problem with someone getting on a starting line if their doctors have cleared them to be able to do the thing that they're doing. It's not that. It's like, what is this? Like, what's the purpose? Are you being mommy of the year? You want your picture in freaking women's running? It's bullshit. I think it's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. I have no love for this. And Alicia Montano is one of the smartest people on the face of the planet. She's super smart. She knows what she's doing. It's a marketing stunt, it's Steve. It's bullshit. <laughs> fuck that. Fuck ASICs. Fuck the whole system. I hope she gets knocked out in the first round. I hope it's over. We don't have to talk about it again. Wow. It makes me super mad. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. I didn't know that we'd go there with that, but damn, Steve. <laughs> You know, I think it's a women empowerment thing, but okay. She did it last. She did it before. I, get it. I am. I'm also one to bash things like that. So I get it. I'm not. I don't feel strongly. I do kind of roll my eyes at it a little bit. <laughs> but for those women that want to, hey, throw some love to the four month pregnant. If you want to throw some love to women, throw love to the women in the race who are going to be first, second, and third. Not some. Girl, not some woman who's trying to get your attention because she's having a baby that women do all the time. Like, that's not special. It's special <laughs> for that child. It's special for that family. But this girl, if she did it, the first time she did it at eight months pregnant, it was ridiculous. Go look at those photos. I mean, look at those photos. She looks like she's got a beer belly. She's running around with a beer belly. She actually ran pretty damn well, honestly, given the kitchen. But she was like 200 meters behind everybody. That's not going to happen this time because she's four months pregnant. Anyway, I'll stop. So I'll shut it down. We- Sorry. Oh, this it makes me so a, mad. This may be, may be a dangerous question, but you feel the same way about Gabe Grunewald running the 15? Oh, it's a completely different scenario. Utterly, completely different scenario. Gabe Grunewald's not bringing the attention to herself for the things that she's doing. She's going after the thing that she loves to do. And somebody could make the argument that that's what Alicia Montano is doing. And if that's the case, yeah, I have to say, hey, guess what? I, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm allowed to have my opinion. My opinion about Gabe with her and chemotherapy and her, and this is... This is it. This is doing everything she can possibly do. And it's not another life. This is life and death. I mean, that's a different scenario. To me, it's like apples and oranges. I can see how some people could call them similar things. And I could, I could understand that intellectual argument. And I could be, I could be convinced to see how it's a reasonable argument for both sides. But what Gabe's doing is heroic, epically heroic. What Alicia Montano is doing is showmanship. It is marketing, and it is shameful, in my opinion. Fair enough. I can agree with the general gist of that. Your vitriol, though, is crazy. Yeah, I like to get, I like to get that but way But I sometimes. like the passion, I'll say. <laughs> All right, so that's Women's 8. Surprisingly, had the same names, slightly different order, but here the we go. The Women's 8 is so... The best are so good at what they do, and they're all poker players, all holding big hands. It, it, it plays out with the same four to five girls every single time. So, you know, unlike the 15, which has a lot of shifting and changing and strategy in it. Um, anyway, I'm excited to watch all these races. So pumped up about this U.S. Championships. Maybe as excited as I've ever been for U.S. Championships. So let's switch over to the men's eight. Again, three rounds. This one, as you mentioned earlier, is not as deep for whatever reason. We're missing Bernard Barian. We're missing Nick Simmons on a form. We're missing a bunch of names that we typically see here. So... Has Loxham, I don't think he's even He's running in. like poo. He made like, it. He's in. On? I don't know. He switched. I, I, he went I, from the Brooks Beast to his own program for some. I don't think he's declared. But anyway, so on the men's side, we've got 33 declared, 11 with the standard. Again, most likely anybody in the final is going to have the standard, or, or at least the vast majority of them will. The standard for this one is 145.9, so basically 146. Likely won't come into play. 
We've got a couple of things. Again, old guard, new guard here happening. Nick Simmons is racing in his last U.S. championship. This is, he has said, will be his last track race or races. And so we, we got to talk about him, which we'll get to. Race. <laughs> he's got, he's, he's competed in 13 national championships and podiumed every time. So 13. Oh, cool hand Luke, man. I, if I give him a 14, nickname, it's cool hand Luke. He's the real deal. 14 is, is, is pretty amazing because likely he won't be on the podium for this one. But what are your three picks and how's this one going to play out? So I'm sure we're going to have the probably close to the largest divergence in this one. I'll be interested to see if we're close, but it, I'm, I'm picking Clayton for the win. I just think he's too good, and I think the field is too, is too weak, too soft. Too, um, the races go to most of these races in the eight play out with um, a two to three act play not um, the 12-act play that happens in a 1,500-meter race. So things are going to play out, the Act 1 and Act 2, almost, unless somebody falls down, will we'll play out really, really similarly all the way through, through rounds and finals and everything else. I got Clayton for the win. I just don't think there's anybody else out there that has the, I think he is, I think he could be, he could win by a second. He could win by, he might, he probably won't win by a second because he won't need to, but I think he could win by a second. I just think he's that much better. Fifth race of the weekend, win by a second. Still. That would be the coronation well, I, of Clayton Murphy. Honestly, he is that strong. I think that, that that's why I kind of don't pick him so much for the eight, but I think in the 15, the lack of strategic stuff will be a difference maker where I think, you know, in the 15, Matt's just going to have his, I, I see what you're saying about Matt not having yeah. it and not being in the spot, but I just think it's going to happen. There. I think it's not going to play that way. Got yeah. Clayton for the win. I got a little bit of a dark horse for my second place. Probably a little un, un, unexpected, but I think the openness of this race and the way this guy likes to race, he has a real chance at. His name's Eric Sawinski. Got him for second. He likes to close. I think if, if, the, if the plays out the way it does, that, that a lot of these races play out, those who stay strongest near the end will, and I think Clayton's going to stay out strong that way. And stretch, folks. Maybe if he closes, he'll be closing really close to the lead. But so I think Sawinski will get himself through there. And I got a guy I like. He is a little bit up and down, but he had a great year last year. He was on fire last year. Charles Jock. I think Charles Jock is going to get in there for second, for third place. So I got Murphy, Sawinski, Charles Jock, and my dark horse is Donovan Brazier. I would love to pick him for the win. I think he's the one guy who could beat Clayton Murphy, but he hasn't shown us that he can do anything other than time trial. So until he, until he wins, until he, he it, that will be the real difference maker. If you pick Donovan for the win, you have a real chance to take the whole thing, but I don't even have him showing. I have huh. him as my dark horse, as my sort of wild card. So I'm going, those are my order. I think Brazier is so good, but I just think, I don't even know if he'll be in the final. Interesting. Interesting also backhanded compliment there because I did pick him for the win. I bet. Donovan <laughs> Brazier for the win. I'm, I'm dinging Murphy because I think fifth race in four days. Hot yeah, if, you, if, Brazier, if Brazier does not make the final, you're out, dude. I win. So just so you know, you're putting everything fair, on a guy who's flaky like halibut. Fair enough. <laughs> but he's also talented oh, he's sick. as shit. Oh, yes. So, I'm a huge fan of his. So, just, yeah, yeah, but you're right. He's relatively young. Hasn't done a lot tactically. He's, that, he's, he's, he's shit, shat the bed at the big meets. Yeah, he, he hasn't showed up. But I could argue the same about Eric Sawinski. So, yeah. to some extent, a, a lot of eight, these 800-meter guys can be a little Carl, bit... You could say this thing for Charles Jock. A little bit shaky. So, 
I was digging Murphy, though, because a long double, five races in four days, it's hot, etc. I think he very well could win, but I like Brazier's talent. I don't think anyone's in the same ballpark with those two guys in terms of raw talent. No, so Brazier can get there, and I think in a meet like this, which is so wide open, and where the rounds aren't going to be as stressful because you don't have as deep a field, I think it's going to be a little bit easier for him to get to Sunday. And he won't make the same mistakes. And if he can get to Sunday, I think he's got a chance with his talent to take it. So Donovan Brazier for the win. It could make or break me. We will see. Clayton Murphy for second, because again, I just can't see him with his talent being outside of top two, even, even on tired legs. Third to me was almost impossible to pick. I had Sawinski in there, but he's also chat the bed a bunch. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of collegians that could fill fill in here. I know Jock has been around fourth and fifth in a lot of these. But he, but he made the championship. Olympic team he made the Olympic third. You know, he got third on the last one, so he's in the mix. But I went completely, almost drew a name out of a hat. Isaiah Taylor. Oh, good Penn, pick. Penn State. Head. That's no name. I, out I of mean, a hat. it wasn't a name out of a that's hat. A, but you know what I mean? That's a great I was, pick. I was kind of like not sure, but I liked what he's done recently, coming off a collegiate season. Theoretically, you know, in, in peak condition and has raced a lot recently. So it's going to have that tactical experience. Now the rounds is tough and it's a long season, et cetera. So he's either going to be in the mix or he could be, you know, dead last in the final or, may not, or not so. make the final at all. So but I'm going Isaiah Penn, Taylor. He runs at Penn State. Penn State. I mean, that, Isaiah Harris. Sorry. Those guys, know what they're, those guys know what they're doing. I mean, they, the coaches there have those athletes ready. They're eight. They're, I mean, that's where... I mean, so many great athletes have come through that program and, and, and in the eight level. They, they know what they're doing. They're peaked appropriate and they're ready. I think that's a great pick. One argument also, here I am arguing for your case for Brazier because I really want to be wrong. Honestly, I really want to <laughs> be wrong. But this is a game. So Brazier last year was told that he wasn't allowed to be on the, on, on the Texas A&M team when he signed with Nike. And so there was a lot. He went into the, US cha- the Olympic trials with so much drama. And so much uncertainty. He went back to his high school coach for that last three to four weeks, in two weeks, three weeks in prep between the conference, the national championships, where he didn't make the final at the NCAA championship and then again didn't make the final again at World. It was like, so there were, or he did, no, he won NCAAs, but then he did, then he didn't make it out of the first round at, at the U.S. championships after he went pro. Right. There's so, he's back at A&M. He's back in the fold. They know what they're doing there. Hell, they've got four, 800-meter runners between the men's eight and the women's eight who are probably going to be finaling. I mean, A&M knows what they're doing in the middle distance right now, and I think that he's in an incredibly positive place. So I love your pick. I just, <laughs> I just couldn't go for it. This is the race to asterisk and circle because it might yes. be the difference race. And it'll be... Well, this and the men's and 10. It'll be on, and and the it'll be on Sunday. So yep. it'll come down to potentially yep. that men's eight. So... The other thing we got to mention, though, is Nick Simmons again. This is his swan song, so to speak. He's been banged up this year, hasn't been able to really train. The only reason he even got into USA's was essentially on an asterisk kind of wild card admission because he has a world medal. His last race was 147. I mean, these guys are running 143, 144. I mean, he only has one rust buster. He has said in videos I've watched of his that he needs usually at least three or four of those to kind of get in shape. He's been posting video logs, vlogs this week on his Facebook sort of chronologically his final days as a professional track athlete and has he recently did a workout he called his last track workout ever Mm. so i think he's setting up the world to not make it that far i think he said in his 
video interview after Port- Portland Track Festival that he thinks he can get through the prelims, but isn't sure if he can make the final. But he's like, you never know. If he does make the final, watch out. <laughs> he's a baller, right? Yeah. I mean, like I said, he's raced 13 U.S. championships. He's medaled in all 13, won nine times, silver three times, bronze one time. What we were US saying about, why are we giving so much love to Galen? Why well, are we giving I mean, so much love? I mean, they're both cool hand Luke. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's unbelievable. And, you know, Nick Simmons is not a guy that, a lot of people love because he's kind of a ego, you know, has a little bit of ego and is brash and kind of does things out out of the ordinary. But I, I even though don't like some of his ego, sometimes I like the guy because he's I'm good for fan. the sport. Yep, and he delivers. Ultimately, that's what it comes down to: is like delivering when it counts. He's done it at the U.S. Champs. He's done it on the world stage. He's run in the greatest Olympic final ever run when Rudy yep. set the world record. And, you know, so hats off and to Nick. closed like crazy. And closed like crazy. Hats <laughs> off to Nick yeah. Simmons. We're going to miss you. The 800 is going to miss you. U.S. track and field is going to miss you. So that's my goodbye those are to our, Nick. Those are our picks. So there you go. The men's eight. Watch out. All <laughs> right. So let's switch. And now final event. We're going to the steeple. 3K. The finals for this are split because the prelims or the prelims are on different days so you've actually got the women's final on saturday the men's final which i think is the last distance final of the whole meet on sunday we'll start with the men's on this one i'll go to you steve um, first you know a couple of prelim things again this is two rounds so you've got a first round and then a final for all of these events on the men's side you've got 31 declared so it's pretty deep Eight with the standard, but Evan Jager doesn't have the standard. And Don Cabral doesn't have the standard. In most of the... How f- does Evan not have the standard? Because he's been running other events. Yeah, but he, other but things. he had May of 2006, 2007, the, 16 I don't know. I mean, in Rio, yeah, I don't Rio, know. He I was looking at the list and it didn't show. I mean, he has... Well, anyway. We'll leave he, that alone. It doesn't right? matter. Yeah. You will bu- bu- get it. Essentially, you've got <laughs> 10 with the standard, or right. they'll get it in the. They're going to run faster than the 832. It's For just sure. going to happen. So, I think, you know, this is where we could have some differences as well. So, what have you What do you got? First of all, how's this race going to play out? Will, Ev- will, will Je- Evan Jager just take it, or will it be tactical? And what are your picks? So Evan's been running some 15s. I think he's going to wait around, but I think he'll wait around for a while. The other, he's, he's head and shoulders above everybody. Um, and, and I got in, in the picks of the top three is his teammate, Andy Bear. I'm not saying, I'll tell you in just a second where I have him placed. I, and they also have another one of their teammates, um, in this race as well, who has made a world team as, as well. So I think you're going to see some, some tactics and some playing out And Dan Hewling is the other athlete that are, that runs for Schumacher. They're all going to be in that mix. I think we're going to see some tactics to kind of make this race, um, a little more interesting and play out in a way. I don't think there's any way you're going to get a Schumacher one, two, three. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Stanley Kinebi, who was in the mix to make the team and just faded over that, had a little trip up on that last water jump. Um, so for people who don't know, this is a race that runs seven and a half laps on a traditional track. Depending on how the track's set up, it gets set up a little different. It's got four immovable hurdles and one water jump. I coached, I ran this event as a collegiate athlete. I ran it as a post-collegiate athlete. I coached primarily steeplechasers for most of my career post-collegially. I know this event really, really well. It's such a cool and interesting and fun race. Everybody should watch this. It gets such short shrift. It's sort of like the bastard stepchild of the distance races out there. But it's so much fun to watch. You're watching 
815 hundred meter runners go head to head with 5K strength based runners over water jumps and barriers. It's such a cool race. But my picks are Andy. Uh, my picks are Evan Yeager for the win. I just think he's too good. I think I'll run away from everybody. He's done a couple of 15s. He's super fast. He's ready to go. He's going to do what he needs to do. In fact, watch out for him for a world championship. I think he could win the world championships. I don't think there's any way he doesn't win this race. Second, I'm putting Stanley Kanabi. I think he's going to be hungry. I heard an interview of his afterwards about how absolutely just crushing it was to go from being 110 meters away from being an Olympian and then ending up like eighth in the race or whatever happened in that race. And I think you could tell his hunger is there. Well-trained, incredibly intelligent, came out of that Arkansas system. I think he's really ready to go. And my third pick, this is definitely a big heart pick. Um, the uh, Hoosier, Andy Bear, who I know personally, um, having coached Sarah Peace, who's a, a, a steeplechaser who's done really, really well. I coached her for a number of years. They're really, really good friends. Andy Bayer is a great guy. He's a super fast 1500 meter runner. In fact, I think he's a guy that if he just stayed with the eight, he could have, I mean, stayed with the 15, he could have been made it in the 15, but he's a beautiful steepler. I'm super excited to see him. I think this will be his coming out show. I do think it's possible to have Andy second and Stanley third, but ultimately that's how I've got him picked. I've got a really crazy wild card here though. Um, and this is where we play that game of what could happen with the collegiate athletes who jump in. I, for so many years now, having coached this event, there's guys who run in the 830 to 832 range who really have the ability and the talent level. They might not have gotten into races the way the collegiate races go out to actually get into an 820 type style race. And so they don't run that fast. So I'm picking a Houstonian. I'm not sure exactly where he's from. He's a Texan originally, a high school Texan, went to high school, Texas in high school. He went to the University of Houston. It's coached by Steve Magnus. He redshirted this year outdoors. He ran his best 3Ks and 5Ks. He was in the finals of the 5K at the NCAA Championships, or the 3K at the NCAA Championships. He redshirted outdoors strategically, and he's run 832 for the steeple. And I think if this race goes a little slower and they play games, he's got wheels, he can close. Watch out for Brian Barraza. He's a pick as a wild card, not as a, a guy in the mix. I mean, we've got some really seasoned steeplechasers in Don Cabral, Dan Hewling, I mean, it's a pretty wild card pick to pick, but it's just kind of fun to throw that out there and somebody for people who are from Texas to pay attention to it to watch. So those is, are my this picks. This is where I remind Steve to stop smoking the funny stuff <laughs> because ultimately this race to me comes down to five guys. There's no chance. There's five guys that are cut above. I do smoke no, the funny stuff, there's so there no, could be something there's to do no that. There's no chance <laughs> that to me, anybody outside these five guys I'm going to name are top three. Now, Incidentally, we have two exact matches on this one, so we don't actually have that much departure. But I do have a different pick on, on one of them. A different name and different you know pick altogether. So five guys to me that can actually get top three are Evan Jager, Hillary Bohr, Andy Bear, as you mentioned, Kanabi, who you mentioned, and Cabral, Don Cabral. Those are the five guys to me that are in the running. I think you're right. There will be some team tactics potentially. Jager will perhaps work with Bear a little bit, and 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 see you know to kind of see how it plays out. Ultimately, Jager's going to take the race. I, you know, he's a cut above Olympic medalist in the steeple. You know, and he's been running crazy fast 15, so we know he's sharp. So he's going to win. That's no question. I've got Hillary Bohr for second. Also, steeplechase Olympian, he ran really well, 8-11, I believe, in Rome mm -hmm. in earlier in June. So he's showing that he's on form. 
got the experience, finished second to Jager in the trials last year. I've got him as my second pick, and I've got Bear third as well. So we've got different choices on a, a different a different American Kenyan yeah, is exactly. our choice for second. Now Kanavi was my fourth, you know, wild card. I do mm-hmm. think if anybody's going to sneak onto the podium or or take take Bear out potentially, I think mm-hmm. it's him. But we'll see. But to me, you know, this race is most interesting for second and third. First mm-hmm. is obviously is is going to be decided. But there's a there's five guys that matter. I think those five guys will be clear fairly quickly. Maybe six with Hewling or somebody like that in the mix. Maybe one of the collegiates. Maybe six or seven guys through halfway together. But then after that, it'll whittle down pretty quickly. And but then, it'll be hot. They're going to be running in the middle of the day for TV time. This you got to think about that. When that happens, you've got other guys. Then the race gets one in eight twenty. And if the race gets one in eight twenty, different things can happen. I do agree with you. Um, I particularly didn't pick Hillary for. Because he's had, I've watched, I watched him run collegiately at Iowa State, and he was just an up-and-down guy. I mean, he definitely got it done, and he made it to the Olympics I mean, and ran well there. And he did run the 8-11. But I do know he, his, he's not the mental steel trap that you're looking for at this race. And Kanabi has a lot of reasons to want to make it. And I think Bayer is showing out how fit and ready he is. So it's fair. interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, I think your prediction that there'll be some team taxes with Bauer and Track Club that play makes his rate play out a little slower. I think is plays into your decision there because Especially for me, for I'm thinking Jager takes it sooner. It's just like they're string out and Boar's in the mix, but he doesn't have to tactically play the games. He can right. just kind of file in behind yep. Jager and ride. So that's why I put him at second. But it's between those five guys, in my opinion. I think Don Cabral could also somehow sneak sneak into that third spot. Although I just haven't seen enough results from him this year to believe he can really do it. He's not fast enough. He can't close the way these guys. With can those close. other guys, yeah. fair enough. So it might just be between four, really. Then, mm-hmm. all right, let's switch to the women's side. We've got twenty-five declared. I actually forgot to make a note on how many stand with the standard, but. In this race, I don't think it matters. Again, there's four. I think there's only four women that are competing for the top three spots. I think there's a clear divide after that. It's not even going to be close for everybody else. There's four that matter, especially when you talk about doing two steeples in three days. In the heat. In the both heat. races are going to be hot. The, They're both running. There's, only four, the the there's only four that matter. And for me, my predictions, and I, and I think these are almost the easiest predictions to make of the entire list of events. Emma Coburn, number one, like Jager, a cut above. No one's touching her. She won't run a U.S. record necessarily in the heat at this one, but she's going to be, she'll be head and shoulders above the rest. It will be over for first place well before the finish line. I think Courtney Frerichs has got second locked. I don't see anybody challenging her. She showed it pre that she's on form, running a PR there, and and Schumacher gets his women ready for these championship races. So I don't see her anybody challenging Frerichs for second. I've got Stephanie Garcia in the third spot. She's made two world teams already. This could be her third world team. So she's finished in that third spot before, but Colleen Quigley could sneak in there. She just hasn't shown the form yet to me this season that tells me she can get on the podium. I don't know. Has she raced? How many times has she raced? She has raced. And I'd have to pull up my, That's all right. my we don't need file that. on that. She yeah. has raced, so she has she has some uh some experience this year that says that she's she raced Doha in May. Uh. Ran nine thirty three. So but Carcia's run nine twenty five. So you know, so she's shown that 
you know, she's going to be in the mix, but I don't think she's shown that she's sharp. Certainly not recently. Now, they may have run Doha for a little bit of money and just to kind of get her a rust buster before USA's, knowing that USA's wouldn't be too crazy. So you never know. So she could sneak in there. But I think in Coburn, Frerichs, Garcia, those are my top three. And I think it's going to be a fairly straightforward race. Yeah, we're really missing Leo Connor in this race. And that was the, that's Agreed. the one who, if she had been in this race, um, could have made a big difference because she's gutsy. She's I tough. probably would have picked her third if she was Yeah, there. I probably would too. I mean, we have the same picks, Chris. One, two, and three. They're right down the line. Um, the reason I picked Stephanie over Colleen, I didn't see any results. I couldn't find results for Colleen. I didn't look that far back to see Doha. Stephanie Garcia just ran sub 410. I think she ran 408 or something for a 1500. Right. Her PR is 405. That didn't do any good the year that she ran that. That was 2015. It didn't really make a difference. Stephanie is the drama queen that had ever lived, the biggest drama queen that ever walked the face of the planet. But her skill set has stayed consistent. Her coaching is amazing. And she's, I just think she's going to get in that third spot. And I don't think Colleen has shown enough form to be able to get there. And I think these girls are going to run hard. I think Emma's going to make it a race like she always does. We've seen Emma's fitness is off the charts right now. And she wants, I think Emma has been looking at what's happening on the world standard with these young East African steeplechasers who are now taking over. They're so young. They're like 17, 18, 19 years old, running incredibly well. But I think Emma is now saying, okay, I've got to do all the things I need to do. And I think she's going to run hard. I, I wouldn't be surprised if she ran both rounds hard from the front just to get the heart. The best workout you could possibly do ever is to run a race. And she's not had the opportunity. When she gets into these big, big races at the Diamond League and all those other ones, these races don't always play out that way. I think she's just going to make everybody suffer. And I think she's, she's not going to do it purposely to make people look stupid. She's going to run better. Now, the one thing that's crazy is we don't really know exactly what kind of shape Courtney Frederick's in right now. Frederick's in. She's, she's in really good shape. We know that, but we don't know exactly what she can do. She ran 919 at pre, Steve. I don't know. Okay, so what more do you need to see? Well, the problem is, is that's not 908, right? So that's no, not. It's not, but she's not going to run with so, Emma. We know that. Well, she won't run with Emma. No, she won't. But if Emma falls apart, there's a chance. If Emma goes so hard and it is so hot, she does train in Boulder, Colorado. There's a chance that there's a crack, but Emma hasn't done it before, so right. it's not likely. So that's why I'm just making devil's arguments. That, that, you know, that, that there arguments, could be some interest. There could be, but it will take uh, some epic fail there. But what you're asking the fans to watch for is how hard she runs Emma in the prelim, the first round, because like you said, she might just be doing it to train. Correct. To get a certain training I purpose. wouldn't be surprised and at all. And if she goes really hard there... Will she have enough left to do the same kind of domination in the final? We'll see. Will she hold on over the last eight with Courtney, who's been, who's trained well, knows what she's doing, and is hungry to go get her? So there you go. We matched. I think that's one the only event. one where that's we had an one. exact match. So yep. we'll definitely it's have probably a probably the one race that has some changes that we don't get any credit for. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so there you go. Those are our picks. We'll publish these and post them. We'll kind of hopefully allow you to track, track our uh, points as we go through the days. To see who the ultimate track geek from Running Rogue Podcast is. The title <laughs> is, is up for grabs. Now, we got about, it's, we're an hour and 50 minutes in, Steve. So we got, I'm going to call it eight or nine minutes. Okay. To even less, if we can, to give some highlights from sprint and field events. Because as everybody knows, we're fans of it all. And there's some really intriguing storylines in these other events that I want you to pay attention to. So what are, name two, Steve, for you that really stand out 
events that aren't distance where you're going to be watching, and what are you watching for? All right, so I have three, but I'll leave the other one alone because you might talk about it. But my most interesting race is the women's 400 hurdles. I'm just ex- super excited about this race. Those who don't know, the 400 hurdles is the women who run the 400 hurdles could easily run the 800. They're that strong. They're that fit. It's an incredible race. They run over seven basic, seven or eight hurdles over a 400 meter dash. It's really weird. They count their steps. The way that they run it is very strategic and everything comes down to who can hold on over the last hundred meters. And so when you watch this race, it doesn't have a lot of intrigue and sort of shifting paces and things happening in the middle of the race, but it is just one of the toughest races that there is out there to watch. Especially with rounds. Especially with rounds. And we've got, I mean, we've got four of the best in the world. I mean, we, we could, we could, there's a chances that we can get two or three people on the podium at the world championships. Um, you got Delilah Muhammad, who's been on fire. She's run nearly half a second faster than anybody else this year. She's, she's, uh, she went to UCLA. She's a great tactician. She runs her steps just right. She doesn't go out too fast. She doesn't go out too slow. She runs almost your picture perfect strategic race all the way along the line. And it's going to be really interesting to see if she's able to do that through the rounds that she needs to do in the heat, in the conditions that are out there. You've got Ashley Spencer, Hook'em Horns, a UT grad. She was at the University of Illinois. When the coach shifted over to the University of Texas, she's run for them. She shifted from the 400 meters. She was the one who won the 400 meter, her, won the 400 meter dash as a collegiate athlete and now made, a world cha- made the Olympic team in the 400 hurdles. She's an Olympian. It's great to see her running really well. She runs a lot more aggressive. Got Shamir Little, ran the uh, Texas A&M. She's a little unconventional looking. She's got bows in her hair. She's got a squeaky voice, big thick glasses. Super interesting and intelligent. She's somebody everybody. She's the girl down the street that everybody, the quirky girl down the street that everybody loves and everybody's interested in. She has a really interesting racing style. She's she'll she'll go hard. She'll go out from the front. She'll come from behind. She'll she's really a little bit weird in the way that she races. And then. Chris, you and I are both excited to watch Cindy McLaughlin race. She's the high schooler, probably bypassing college altogether. We're not sure exactly. She hasn't played that out yet. We may see. Typically, what happens with these athletes is they make these decisions in the week prior to the U.S. championships. Right now, she may actually change her affiliation from whatever her affiliation is from her high school, and then in the final, be now running for Nike or Adidas or whoever she chooses to run for. We, if anybody that's on the in the Twitter sphere or on are looking on what's on what's happened over the last week. She ran her last high school race, a 4 by 400 That was just epically and crazy cool. She went for like seventh place and rolled up seriously talented kids. I mean, this was at the New Balance Nationals. I mean, this, this wasn't her high school state meet. It was like the best 400-meter, 4 by 4 teams in the country, which means these are the best, other than Jamaica, these are the best four, they're equal to the best 400-meter, 4 by 400 teams in the world at the high school level. And she made them look like little kids. She sucked them all up and ran through them. It was amazing. You got to post that on the show notes for them yeah, for people to see that race. I will. It was it's amazing. Ridiculous. I mean, she was 30 meters behind, 25, 30 meters behind, going, getting the baton on the last lap, rolled them all up, and then had some Yes, some room to spare. It wasn't like she leaned at the she line. She like, like sort of wandered over and laid down on the ground. And when <laughs> she did it, she ran the fastest split ever, ever. by high school. 49-8 for a 400 split. Unbelievable. So we're all rooting for her. But this will be a race that will be amazing to watch and a lot of fun to watch. And hopefully we see the coronation of the next, someone whose name you're going to be paying attention to. She's the Wheaties box kid. She's somebody who we could all be paying attention to who could take. She's incredibly 
she's just a really cool kid, and I think she'll be, grow into a, an incredibly, incredible young woman who can be a representative of our country she's at like the, the highest next level. Allison Felix, absolutely, basically, absolutely. She's amazing. So that's one. What, My next one is. For? I don't know. There's nobody else to watch in this race, but I'm so excited to watch Fred Curley from Texas A&M run the 400. I mean, 400 meters. 400 meters. He's yep. nearly half a second ahead of everybody else in his event, and we are the United States is known as the best 400 meter country in the world, and he is gone. And he's I think he's a freshman or a sophomore. I can't remember. Is a true freshman or he's a sophomore at A&M? He's I can't young. remember. But he's absolutely young. He ran this 43.70, which is like the fifth fastest time ever in the world. And he did it in this first round at the, Texas, at Texas, at the University of Texas in the prelims of the, first, of the preliminary round of the NCAA championships. And he's just, this kid is just crazy to watch. Um, I'm just so excited to see that race, just to see him show out and see how well he runs. Those well, are my two. And, well, and, and the U.S. is in need of our next 400 meter. Oh, yeah. Well, we don't, we're not in need. It's there. He's there. Well, he's uh, the real okay. deal. He's the guy, but I'm just saying <laughs> it could be, he's the guy to watch for, for the next, I mean, and look, the world stage is getting better on that front. A lot of years, the U.S. has had the best 400 meter runner in the world, quarter miler as, they, as we like to call him. But right now you've got the South African, Nykirk, who just set the world record. We all saw it in the Olympics last year. You've got Amos, who runs crazy. And so there's some international yep. competition there that'll be interesting once Fred gets to the world stage. But everybody watch for, for that name. All right, so I've got a couple quick things. And then we'll close it. For me, I, I got, you got to watch Christian Coleman, another collegiate from Tennessee, just went pro. He's going to be in the 100 and the 200, ran the collegiate 100-meter record, 9.82. He's going up against Justin Gatlin and the other 100-meter guys. He could win the, the 100 meters for the U.S. and will be competing in the 200 as well. So watch the name Christian Coleman. Watch out, Bolt. Yeah, another up-and-coming U.S. sprinter. And hey, let me throw one thing in here. I just was looking on the, the Knoxville newspaper said, lamented to the world that the University of Tennessee track team just went pro because Christian because because he won the 100 and the 200 scored 20 points for their team and that he was the whole entire team I thought that was super funny made me laugh almost an onion ad awesome. so yeah all of Tennessee went pro because Christian Coleman was their team <laughs> so watch for the name Christian Coleman the next great U.S. 100 meter 200 meter sprinter coming the other thing I got to throw some love to is a field event because you know I like my field events Shantae Lowe versus Vashti Cunningham. We've talked about old guard, new guard, changing the guard. This is going to be one of those. It's the high jump. Women's high jump. Shantae Lowe, four-time Olympian. More Crazy. than that time, U.S. title holder. She is a mom with two kids who kind of comes and goes from the sport, but always shows up in championship. Showman extraordinaire. She's always a showman. in championship races. And she is fun to watch. Yes. She, she, she celebrates like a guy scoring a touchdown she after calls some of the her crowd, jumps. Ask the crowd to and get she out gets everybody her. involved. It's yep. fun to watch her in person, but you can get catch any of the high jump. Watch Shantae Lowe. She's competing against Vashti Cunningham, daughter of Randall Cunningham of Philadelphia Eagles quarterback fame. Go she's, Birds. She's 19 years old, has already gone pro, has won two U.S. indoor titles, and is sort of the heir apparent to Shantae Lowe in terms of the outdoor titles. Those two are going head-to-head. I'm thinking Shantae's going to win because she is a gamer. She's 
cool hand, Luke, and she does it when the stage is big. Vashti's still young and you know might be a little bit more timid in this environment. So we'll see. But, but low, this is the low versus it, Cunningham. This is we'll the meet see. where that could all change, which would be not. I'm not. I'm. I'm a huge anti low fan, but I would love for Vashti to get over that hump so she can be in the mix at the world at the world level because. We have Shantae Lowe has not always done the best at the World of the Olympic Championships. She's had some great events, but she hasn't always been there. I think Vashti might be a little more consistent. It'd be interesting to see how that so plays we'll out. So we'll see. So watch that. Women's high jump, Shantae Lowe versus Vashti Young Cunningham. A couple other quick shout outs, then we'll close it. Trey Hardy's competing in the decathlon. He kind of got in on, a, again, an asterisk because of his former world medal. Central Texas connection. Went to UT, lives still in Austin. Great Tra- guy. Trains here. Great guy. And he'll be competing in the decathlon. I don't think he has a chance at all, and I think he knows it, but he just <laughs> wants to be there and be a part of the sport because he's the type of guy that is that way and just wants to compete and feel the brotherhood of the decathletes. So watch Trey Hardy run or, or, or compete in his likely final U.S. championship as a, as a decathlete. We've already mentioned it briefly, but you got to track Gabe Grunewald's story in the women's 1500. She got in. She didn't quite get the time standard for USA's, but got in because... She had one of the top times to get in. She's going to be competing. I hope she makes the final and just can squeeze into that final so we can see her story play out on the grand stage. She's already started chemo. She has a break for chemo the week of USA Championships, but then is right back to it. And as Steve said, she's doing it for herself. She's doing it for something bigger. It's life or death for her. But that story is awesome. If you Google her name in New York Times, they also had just a recently great article on her story, which is really, really fascinating. So watch the Gabe Brunwald story as well. Just be a fan. Triple jump. Don't miss the triple jump. Triple the jump, best in the everything. world. Watch it all <laughs> and learn the stories. Google the names. Email us. Ask about it because it's all going to be good. It's all playing out in Sacramento. We thank you for listening to our two-hour <laughs> fan show geek out on this stuff. And we hope you learned something. Check it out. Starting Thursday night through Sunday. There will be good stuff every day. We'll be update. We'll be flashing updates to not only the events on our Facebook page and Twitter, but also to the Steve versus Chris Whoop. showdown on the <laughs> prediction contest. So that's it, folks, for episode twenty-eight. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you learned something. We hope you watch, and of course, we'll have a follow-up show to kind of wrap it all down at some point next week. So stay tuned. We'll talk to you next time.